everybody. Welcome to the Granny Days Podcast. My name is Dustin, and with me this week, we have Edward and Matt. How you doing, guys? Hey, what's what happening? Up? What's up? Howdy. So we yo, also yo. have have a special guest with us this week. Some um, have referred to one that goes to multiple podcasts recently as a podcast tart, and I think today we have the tartiest <laughs> of tarts. We have M from Emulsive. <laughs> I'm not sure what a tart is. Yeah, it's a meat probably. Am, am are you yeah, there? Are you just gonna leave us hanging? Yeah, no, I am. I am actually. Uh, word, word up, word up, my American brethren. Yo. So is that, is that... Yeah. Um, Man, I feel yeah, I feel so um so welcomed with that. Like I haven't had such a formal welcome in such a long time with a nice word up American brethren. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad I could help, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> on, on the subject of tarts, by the way, um, Mr. Kipling makes exceedingly good ones. Yeah, I figured we would get some sort of um, Danish delight from you at some point, recommendation. Yeah, Definitely. see, here, here in America, the only tart we know about is the Pop-Tart. Uh, other than that, it's... Wait, it's there's not... also the Sweet Tart. Don't forget yeah, the candy Yeah, man, bars. there's also Sweet oh, Tarts. Oh. And it's close to Halloween. I apologize. Yeah, yeah seriously. You guys are right. <sighs> Fuck. Come on. So sorry, guys. Off to a fantastic start. Max, forgetting about yeah. Smarts. What the fuck? I shat the bed already. <laughs> typical. Here we go, guys. Typical. Very, very typical. Very typical. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so, I, so I missed last week's episode. Yeah. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to catch up. What, what have you guys been up with? Dustin, uh, what, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Oh, man. Well, I mean, if you want to know what I was up to the week before last, you should... Just go listen to the episode. Fuck it has that, been dude. out. It has been out for a while now. <laughs> I can't listen to the show. I don't even know why people do listen to it. But jeez, oh, uh... you're fired. <laughs> Your really? finger fired. <laughs> <laughs> or middle finger fired. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I shoot for myself. Yeah, I do. Uh, well done, kind yeah. of. Anyway, anyway, this is gonna be one hell of a show. Oh, so it's all over up. the place. Okay. Um, yeah. Hashtag so, one twenty millimeter. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Right off the bat. You've been triggered, people. <laughs> That's right. Anything else we want to we want to just like go ahead and get out there so that people are just on there biting all their nails right off. Uh, even if you think it's funny, it's it's not okay to be a racist asshole on social media. There you go. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 been my the past twelve hours for me. Um it's just ridiculous. But, I feel like uh, if you're triggered anyway. by that, then, um, then that's uh, okay, right? Yeah. It's yeah. okay you to should be triggered, triggered by, by that. Okay. Well, if if yeah. that triggers you, then you should like do a little bit of soul searching. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get this trade on, get it rolling. So uh, my <laughs> week, um, let's see, what have I been up to? My uh, photo book from Jeff Bridges came in today. The pictures, volume two. I got a chance to flip mm-hmm. through that while. Um, vegging out on some TV with the wife. Um, nice. It's a really nice book. Uh, it's, it's it's super rad. It's not just the pictures. He like tells stories and stuff in it. Uh, I didn't get to like read everything, but uh, it's pretty cool. I really dig it. And of course, those photos are from his Wide Lux 
Um, and speaking of a pano camera, I got my Horizon <laughs> in this week. Uh, I haven't developed the roll yet, but I got about three quarters shot of some double X in it. So I'm excited mm. to see how that comes out. Um, we got some Korean barbecue with the wife Friday night and some friends, and I took my Bessa out with me. Um, actually, like, really interesting light at the Korean barbecue place because, you know, they just have the one, like, big light that illuminates the whole table. So I'm really interested to see how that comes out because I took a couple, like, across-the-table portraits or whatever. Um, yeah, and then when we had a cards night, got had, had a good time playing some Cards Against Humanity with friends and... All that kind of stuff. We were going to go to um, the Sally Mann exhibit, which is in Atlanta right now. Um, uh-huh. But the high how, was how long close. is it there for? It's there until February. Yeah, uh, you got to check it out, it, bro. Where's Atlanta? I only know of Hotlanta. Oh, oh, that's um, true. So <laughs> <Or Atlanta. laughs> Tell me more about it, this Atlanta that you're yeah. speaking of, Dustin Cogsdale. Atlanta is a city that is. Um, <laughs> Got not it. known by okay. the dorky 70s term that you guys are so fond of. Um, got it. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please proceed with okay, your so, self. Dirty South. Okay, I'll, got I'll it. proceed. Got it. Yeah. You know yes, what? Yes, I'm, okay. So Sally Mann <laughs> uh, has an exhibit yep. at our uh, modern art museum, the High. Um, we were going to go this weekend, but apparently there was like some facilities issue. We had a storm roll in, and I guess there was like leaking in the wing that they have the exhibit in. So no exhibit for us this weekend, unfortunately, um, which was a bummer. So I got like really excited about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see this. It's going to be so rad. Uh, and then I went to go buy tickets online. like, oh, it's temporarily closed. I'm like, god damn it, it just opened this weekend. Mm-hmm. But oh, well. So that was that, and then uh, other than that, I got my, I got off camera flash set up on my Chrome graphic, and I was playing around with that. Got a couple sheets shot, um, just testing out. Nothing like actual worth of shit, but it was fun. It was a fun time. That was my time since last recording. Um, Ed, what about you? Let's leave Mac for last because we know he's gonna he's gonna go on and on. <laughs> Um, let's see. Well, I've uh, been dodging the fires again over here in California. It's not nearly as close as it was last year, so that's that's good. Scary, Ed. That's so I, scary. I know, dude. I was worried because, yeah. you know, if you were flying in because, um, right. I mean, the shit got real yesterday over here yeah. on the 4 or 5 in L.A., man. I mean, Brentwood, like all the Richie homes, all the expensive homes were, were in danger and all that stuff. So, um, scary. but yeah, but yeah, so, so far so good. We've, Glad uh, you're okay, Ed. We've Glad been safe. Okay. Thank you. I didn't want to mark myself safe like a lot of people did who don't live near the area, which is kind of stupid right. because Facebook says, hey, I see your location that you're near the Getty fire. No, no, I'm 30 miles away from the Getty fire. <laughs> so anyway. Um, also, you kind of you want to you want to keep people guessing as well, right? Right. They, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the other thing, too. Hey, are so you the okay? Getty, are you talking about like the museum? Is the museum on fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So that's the other mis- that's the other um, part that's wrong about this too. The Getty sits up higher on the mountain than where Brentwood and Bel Air and those uh, Palisades area is. So the fire was below that, but they call it the Getty just because it, you know the Getty's right there. So because in the general vicinity, exactly, yeah. exactly. But when you hear it on the news, 
the Getty fire, but it's not really at the Getty. The Getty's not in, in harm's way or whatever. So, so yeah, they couldn't pick a better name. Um, other than that, I'm expecting 80 mile per hour winds tonight, which is the, the windiest that California has ever seen. So our power people are telling us that they may, uh, shut down the power on us, um, during this time. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Mm. camera wise, um, I have been slightly busy. Um, I have, I've restocked my Instax stash. Um, I had bought a lot of Instax wide. Uh, the color and monochrome and the square and the mini. Um, so I just had to refill my fridge on some more Instax. So I have a good stash for, I think, until December and then uh, enough for the holidays and that kind of stuff because that's usually where I shoot it mostly uh, uh, these days. Um, but I do want to get out and shoot some more, just uh, my normal stuff. Um, and then, let's see, what else did I get? Oh, oh, I uh, I picked up the uh, panoramic conversion kit for my 6.7, the one that Bill Manning um, purchased a mm-hmm. while back, and he did a little thing, so I got one of those. I don't know how to use it yet, so I have to have to hit up Bill. Um, let's see. What else did I get? I'm just looking at my eBay. Um, oh, I <laughs> No quit, Kodak I, Gold? No, no, I quit that Kodak Gold shit. Got it. <laughs> Roger uh, Turkey. He got Cold everybody Turkey. else hooked and then said, I'm out of here. Well, not only that, I also have like 10 three-pack, 10, uh, 10 packs of uh, the three-pack uh, gold. So I have a lot of gold, along with a lot of Fuji C200 that I bought uh, a year and a half ago. But those I got for um, like real dirt cheap. I think it came out to like $1.20 per roll. So it was it was very, very cheap that I got that. Uh, no, I picked up this old-school three-box of uh, Lomography film, but it was their sampler. So you had like this... The color negative 100, but it also has X Pro 100, which they don't make anymore. It's just a slide film, and then their um, the other one is the Lady Gray 400. And I think based on the time, it could be a Kodak branded, so it could be like uh, T Max or or Triax. So um, yeah, that, we'll that's, see how that's it, not a, that's not a current piece of uh, no, products. Not not no, in, no, no. in any way, shape, or form. That 100 stuff was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I'm going to see how it is and, and you know, um, you know what condition it comes in because uh, the person couldn't tell me if they, they – they told me they didn't keep it cold stored, but I don't know if they're the original buyer or not. They, they couldn't tell me that um, or I didn't get that information. So I will listen to the Bill Manning episode with you, M, <laughs> so I can get the, the tips on how to do that. <laughs> but I think I might have asked you this like from several years ago when you and I, we, you know, we chat on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, the other thing too, that I recently got, um, and I haven't, it hasn't come in yet. I found a Fuji X pro one, uh, for, a, I, I got one for $113. It's a little rough on the body, but the guy told me everything on, uh, as far as photos, it doesn't, uh, it, it takes perfect images. I've been wanting this body, but I didn't want to pay 300 bucks that, you know, um, it's kind of going for. So, um, you know. It's a uh, it's it's nice to have one of the uh, that that body. I've always wanted uh, to shoot that. Mm, trying to think what else is going on. Oh, uh, this weekend we met up for a a photo walk. It was going to be Mac until he got sick, so he couldn't make it. Um, so it was just myself, Neil, and Robert Leonez, and we walked around uh, downtown LA. 
um, shot a lot with the La Sardina and the dispol- uh, that simple use camera from Lomography and my half frame camera, of course. Um, let's see what else. I had some Menudo. You guys ever had Menudo? You guys know what, it, what that is? Menudo, the band? Yeah, was it that like a band <laughs> from the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> no, those, those guys, that's, yeah, that's the Puerto Rican band. No, no, no. I'm talking about the soup. soup. So it's basically like cow, it's a tripe uh, for beef intestines, I guess it is. Uh, but it's a really good, it's, a, it's, it's really made for hangovers. I didn't have a hangover, but it's really good. So I, we went to a spot in, in downtown LA uh, before we started our walk and stuff like that. And we had some breakfast and then uh, we visited old, uh, old areas there in, in LA. And, and uh, they have the Day of the Dead, um, uh, you know, uh, celebrations going on around Los Angeles. It's the, um, for those that don't know, it's a celebration of, of the uh, people who have passed and the way to remember them. So uh, there was a lot of photos of folks that have passed, they, they, you know, they have passed away and they're just, uh, uh, people are there to remember them and bringing them food and all this other stuff. It's just a big deal, uh, part of the culture and so forth. So it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Other than that, um, I think that's it. I, I did ship out the the remaining uh, uh, what should we call it? Remaining um, zines I had on my half frame, so I'm completely out of those, and I'm working with someone so they can have them on on their store soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. Very cool. Very, Very cool. cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Mac. Let's let's let everybody oh, know man. what you've been up to, man. Yeah, so we got a oh, shit. Got a I, long one coming. I've been, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it brief, but it's gonna be animated as fuck. So you know, you know what that word go. means? Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I just want to verify that you know the definition of brief. I, I, I have an mm-hmm. approximate idea of what it means. Um, so <laughs> I'm currently in Scottsdale, Arizona. I've been here for about seven days. Um, you know, I move all the time. I currently live in Charlotte, but I have an office here in Scottsdale. So I had to come here and, um, you know, I put out a call. Hey, I'm, I'm coming to the Scottsdale area. Let's shoot. You know, I always try to, like, make a little side cash to support my film habit. So I've been sh- I shot a fucking ton while I was here. I've shot 21 rolls. I had four shoots, uh, recorded a ton of vlogs. Uh, one of those shoots I shot an OM-1N on. I'll vlog that. That camera is... It's a cool little camera. Um, shot that. I'm, I vlogged a, N90, a Nikon N90S. I guess in the rest of the world, it's a F90X. So uh, I vlogged that one. Uh, I shot some film, some new film for me, new to me film, FP4 Plus, 125 rated film. That was, uh, I'm excited to see how that turns out. I'm I'm really nervous to fly back though because all of these warnings and I'm gonna fly out of the Phoenix airport and apparently they have the new like CT scanner so I'm gonna have to like hand check all the film so mm-hmm. I hope they're cool about that you know with all the warnings coming out from Kodak so look, fingers crossed that's gonna be okay I um, I have a super early flight tomorrow morning so I need to go even earlier because I have to hand check it. And um, I, I am an American, so I own a firearm, and I just moved. And the luggage that I chose to use – this is the craziest shit ever. Um, I had a spare handgun in the bag that I wasn't aware of, and I just checked the fucking bag, and I get here, and there's a firearm in my bag. So now I have to get there super early tomorrow because you have to declare the firearm. I got a hand-check film. I'm going to be that problem guy. 
Um, Jesus. So that's that's going to be This weird. is the most American thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. I Seriously. Got on the plane and when I arrived at my destination, I found a handgun, which I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about in my, <laughs> in my luggage. Dude, I almost <laughs> shit my pants when I saw the gun in there. I was like, holy fuck, I have a gun in my bag. Um, I would have tossed it in the trash can. I almost did, but it's but it's one of my favorite. Guns, was it was, you know, it, was a, it more as, like was it more like oh, oh shit I've got a gun in my bag or oh shit I've got a gun in my bag? <laughs> it was like <laughs> I don't want to go to prison. Thankfully, thankfully it was a check bag. But what's weird is um, they didn't even scan the bag. That's really scary. That you know you, you think security's so tight, but I just had a fucking spare handgun floating around in one of my bags and. Uh, I get here and I'm looking for a roll of film that I lost and I reached my hand and I was like, what is this metal object? Oh, it's a firearm. So I had to like Amazon a gun safe to myself. Now I have to declare the firearm tomorrow. And, but that, wait, that'll wait. be not a problem. You said it, was, it was a check bag that went underneath the plane or inside with you in the cockpit? The no, it was, in the, it, it was in the belly of the plane. It was a oh, check okay. bag. That was going to yeah, be yeah, like, yo, bro. That's crazy. Your ass takes a handgun on the airplane and they're like, okay, yeah, cool, no problem. I tried to bring my Hasselblad on an airplane, and they're like, hey, what's this fucking <laughs> bomb in your bag? Right. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Why are there so many yep. gears? Uh, what, what is this? That'll be the, the, that'll be the pistol grip, you see. Yeah, I, but the only reason I had a gun was because I lived in the South and like in Atlanta, and it was my concealed carry gun. Because in Atlanta, you probably should carry a handgun. I lived in West Midtown. Which is like a nicer area, so all the people that want to murder you That's come yuppie. there because like That's the yuppieville. Yeah, they rob all the yuppies. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in the yeah. yuppie part of fucking Atlanta. My bad. And uh, I care about my life. I, I mean, multiple times people <clears throat> told me that they were going to murder me there. So I obviously have a handgun because I love breathing oxygen and walking around. Um, so Mac acts yeah. like <laughs> Mac acts like we're fucking Chicago and we're we're just like out murdering people all day every day. Atlanta's a fucking shithole. Uh, I remember one day so I was in my building. Dude, Listen, dude, one day I, uh, felt I was perfectly safe walking the city of Atlanta dude, all crazy. by myself. Our murder rates are like nowhere near as high as a lot of places in the places in the country, and it's also like that's not saying much though, well, really. I mean, as, right. as, as, as someone as someone who, who doesn't. Hole. Let, let's be clear. Uh, one no, day no. I was in my office building and they were like, you can't go outside. I was like, why can't I go outside? They were like, because a dude just slid a chick's throat in the street. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, and I rode, I rode the train. I rode Marta to work. One day the, the train was closed because mm. the dude just walked into a car and started shooting people. Uh, then at the restaurant two blocks from where I lived, a guy was robbing a guy in the parking lot. And the guy decided that he wasn't going to get robbed. So he ran into JCT Kitchen, which is a really nice place. And the robber chased him. And the the uh, victim fell down, and the robber got on top of him and tried to shoot him, but his gun jammed, so he wasn't able to murder the motherfucker over a watch. So that's when I was like, you know what? Fuck Atlanta. I'm out of here. Um, so yeah, uh, I left and went to Durango, Colorado, and it was that's any really... big city though, man. Wait, how do you feel about it? it, it no, it's any not big city. Yes, it is. <laughs> but how do I feel about Hotlanta, home of the Hotland. pimps and the moneymakers? I don't yeah. like it. Um, no. It's a shithole. So, yeah, that's the only reason I had that firearm. And as, as soon as I get back to Charlotte, I'm going to sell this firearm and uh, be, be done with it. And uh, But, yeah, so I shot a ton. I was really excited about that part. Not about – the gun part just scared me. But I'm an American. that You deal with that shit. And, uh, and you're a white I American, see... so you can get away with it, no problem. Yeah, dude. The NRA loves you. 
Yeah. Listen, I'm not even going to broach <laughs> that topic. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to move this right past that. Um, but I'm excited to see this FP4. Uh, I, I know it's a good portrait film, and I was shooting with a great lens, a, a Nikon 85 uh, 1.8. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see how it, how it looks. I shot the, the Ilford 50 rated uh, speed film as well. That's the first time I've shot that in 35. I've shot it in 120. So I'm curious to see how that's going to look. And um, yeah, I just shot a shit ton. I was supposed to go to LA while I was here, but as Ed spoke about, I've got a, a serious issue I'm dealing with and uh, I wasn't able to make it, unfortunately, but it's all those crazy fires out there. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that was for the best. I don't know. But yeah, so that, that's my crazy week. You didn't know we were going to talk about guns and all that crazy shit. But yeah, mm. hashtag America. Uh, M, so what, what, have, what have you been up yes. to? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to disappoint everyone because you, you guys all lead very rich photographic lives, you know, with your talk of firearms and, and hookers and prostitutes and tripe ed uh, i don't yeah. don't really know what, what that was <laughs> no, no, about but hey yeah, i i do remember i went to dim sum one long time ago and there was a soup but i don't remember the name but there was a soup that was very similar to the menudo and mm. i just ate the shit out of it because everything else kind of looked disgusting to me it's not <laughs> but it's, i'm just a it's picky not really it's not really my thing. I mean, there's there, yeah. there's a whole bunch of yeah. If you go into like Din Tai Fong or, or those mm-hmm. um, kind of Chinese Taiwanese restaurants, um, you you'll get a lot of soup with uh, with uh, pork intestine or beef yeah. intestine, small, large, as well as stomach and and yeah. it, it's it's not it's it's never really been my thing to, to gotcha. be honest. I just just look at it and I just think, oh, it just looks like squidgy calamari or mm-hmm. squidgy pasta, and then you know someone will just say oh that's such and such and it's kind of back in the bowl <laughs> you know push the bowl away just just uh i just i can't i can't get over the psychological thing of eating intestines but liver yeah. heart kidney um is is fine i mean i used to i i remember the first time i had um a sheep's brain my mum was cooking it. I must have been about six or seven years old. I thought she was making scrambled eggs because that's what it looks like. Grey, however. Um, and I, I ended up eating this stuff. Really, really tasty. I asked, you know, asked what it was afterwards. I don't know. I asked her if she could make it again. I asked her if she could make those grey scrambled eggs again. And she's like, uh, that, that was sheep's brain. Um, which kind of freaked me out, but it was tasty enough. But yeah, tripe. Can't can't get, you know, lung and stuff like that. But anyway. Um so it's uh, what is it? It's Wednesday morning here in my neck of the woods. I guess I was uh, all packed up and ready to go this weekend to go and shoot some large format stranger portraits um, in the streets. So I had, uh, well, I still have uh, Acros and, and Provia 100F uh, loaded up. Um, but the weather kind of closed in on me and I was sat home alone um, crying about it, basically. Um, my last, my last probably six months, probably the majority of this year has been uh, photographically off. I don't mean to give a, a downer to people listening, but um, it's just been difficult to try and find the time or try and find uh, the motivation to, to shoot anything other than what I normally do, which is opportunistic street photography when uh, I'm heading to work, having a coffee, having lunch or heading home. Um, oh, but actually, no, I do. I did last week. I did go out 
out of my way uh, twice to go and shoot some uh, nighttime street scenes using Ektar and Portra, uh, Ektar 100 and Portra 160 uh, pushed four stops. I just I just got those those two rolls back. I was thinking it was going to be a complete shit show. Um, and the portrait is kind of okay. The Ektar just just blew my mind, to be honest. Um, wow. I was using the F6 plus the same 85 1.8 lens there that you mentioned, Mac. Um, slap a purple filter on there, rated it at 1200, uh, and then developed for for 16. Um, so hopefully, I'm going to be sharing <clears throat> sharing a few of those. Uh, shots over the coming days but kind of really moody not not quite the kind of Blade Runner-esque stuff I was hoping to go for um, but certainly moving in the right direction is at least from the point of view of trying to find a, a look is so concerned. What's the purple filter about? Um, to be honest I just wanted to uh, I wanted to tinge the lights okay. um, so there's a lot of neon there's a lot of street signage there's a lot of LED there's a lot of people walking around uh, one of the days was quite wet, so you've got some really nice reflections. So I was hoping to catch um, kind of purple or blue tinted hues and lights uh, within all of that. Um, and surprisingly, it didn't didn't work as much as I thought it would. Um, the The film is slightly purple blue blue tinted, um, but it's more of a, a tinge than anything else. But Blacks are still blacks and the the whites are still whites. So it's it's going to be a bit of a going back to the drawing board for me. <clears throat> um, it's not like you know, if you shoot, a, I don't know if you guys have ever accidentally done it, but if you shoot like a color film slide negative with a yellow filter, I mean, you'll get a really pronounced result. Kind, kind of like shooting that, that Lomo uh, 100 uh, you were talking about, Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems that with, at least with, combining pushing the film and using the filter um it hasn't really given the the kind of tint that i wanted interesting hmm yeah i haven't really i haven't really heard of anybody using a color filter over the color i mean i guess it makes sense you kind of do your own lumochrome type deal i wonder if it's similar to the way it works with the film if you if you weren't pushing it and whatnot if it would be a little bit more pronounced yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, the the desire wasn't to get uh, or to emulate Lomochrome purple uh, or turquoise. Um, it was only just to put a uh, put a tint across mm-hmm. the uh, uh, across the top of it. So all of the colours are still quite natural. Um, it's just kind of tinted towards that kind of blue purple neon. At least that that's what I was going for anyway. Uh, it's kind of I don't know. 50% there, I guess. Yeah, you guys will see when I when I post the photos on Facebook and then do a, another secondary post, passive-aggressive, saying that I only post photos for myself and not for likes. Shots fired. Yeah. Fucking Don Conde. <laughs> hey, it's time to be the Don, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, so, M, that's kind of like if, hey. you know, if we were shooting this, I say digital or whatever, it's like changing the white balance, right? And just kind of, you know, moving the colors to a more certain way or like, you know, exactly. Like the, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was my, that was my thinking. Um, a lot of my thinking doesn't really pad out into reality, but, but I, I figure, well, if we can use warming filters to adjust tungsten to daylight. Um, then there's no reason why we couldn't use stronger filters to to go the other way. 
uh, at night time. Um, the, the purple one that I used, it's, uh, it's uh, what is it? I think it's technically it's an FLD filter. So it's a fluorescent, it's a fluorescent bulb um, kind of uh, filter. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm just trying to come up with a, a comparison. So if you, if you imagine you guys, do you guys all have warming filters or you, or you know what the yeah. warming filters look yeah. like? Mm-hmm. So imagine, imagine the warming filter orange to like a, an orange 21 filter. Yeah. So this FLD is, is, um, essentially to a, uh, a, a light purple, um, FLD filter, um, to a light uh, to the orange i don't know I've, I've lost my train of thought anyway it's a bit darker than than a standard fld um so i'm thinking maybe i need to get like a really dark purple filter but i mean you're, you're losing i think i was losing about a stop and a half so even shooting at shooting at 1200 it's actually um closer to probably around about whatever 640 to 800 is um and then over developing one extra stop in development um, as well on top of that. Perhaps, perhaps it would make more sense for me to just use a uh, use Cinestill. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but you got to be able to find that first. Uh, g- getting hold of it isn't a problem, to be honest. I'm just not a big fan of of the uh, the orange and you know uh, the glowing balls of doom. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's a nice aesthetic for uh, some photographs, but if I'm if I'm taking um, if I'm photographing stuff at night, uh, I'd prefer not to have the that kind of distracting feature. I mean, Lomo 100 pushed uh, three stops to 800 unfiltered is amazing at night. So warm, so rich, beautiful film. Um, and even the the Cine Still 120, um, it, you won't get the same uh, kind of halos and and orange balls that you do on 35 mil. Um, yeah, I, I I have thought. I don't know whether you guys have done this actually, but I did think about putting some or cutting some 120 backing paper into the size of the the pressure plate on on a 35 mil camera, and then just sticking that to the to the pressure plate um, when shooting Cinestill to then to stop the light from you know passing through the film, hitting the pressure plate, and then uh, bouncing back, which is where that where the halos are coming from. Ah, um, that's a good idea. Yeah. At that but, point, you know, though, even at that point, gone. wouldn't it make more sense to just shoot the 500 <coughs> T or whatever it is? Well, exactly. And I, I have, I have a whole bunch of 500 T just waiting to be shot. Anyway, the, the convenience factor for me for shooting sinister is so, so my, uh, my two motion, uh, motion labs kind of within about 30 minutes of where I live um, have both both moved uh, a few hours away um, so it just means that if I'm shooting uh, kind of un un uh, un unremjetted <laughs> if I'm shooting native motion picture film uh, these days it means I, I normally have to wait like a week and a half to get the to get the scans back but if I'm shooting C41 it's like two days mm-hmm. Well, when I say C41, I'm shooting Cinestill, yeah, because it's yeah. I can still get that done locally. It's just a bit quicker. I don't know. I'm just I'm, a, I'm an impatient photographer for whom film does not slow them down. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it's supposed to slow you down. 
You know, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot, and there are so many people out there who will say, "Oh, yeah, film film doesn't slow you down. It's a trope. You know, it's one of these ridiculous things that people say because they think it's it's cool or it's it's you know it's the the way to describe it." Honestly, film does slow you down, and I think it slows you down just from that that perception point of view. It helps you to think about what you're doing, um, at least in the very beginning. But once you once you lock everything down, whether that be how you expose or how you frame or the kind of shots that you want to take, um, there is absolutely nothing slow about film at all. No, um, you know, it, it's there are times when um, I'll take out a camera with two rolls of film. And I wish I'd taken out four because 45 minutes later, I've got no film left. Um, there are other times when it'll take me a couple of weeks to shoot through a single roll of 35 mil film. It's just um, film can slow you down from the perception point of view, but it, it, the act of taking the photo uh, is no different from digital. You just happen to be, in my opinion, this might be controversial, a little bit more informed because of the the, the time cost of of clicking that shutter to actually being able to see the result. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that, that's so true. So I was, you know, I had those four shoots, and uh, it, I think it really depends on the camera you're using as well. So I was using the N90S and the Nikon F100, and, you know, those are easy to burn through film. For example, I shot like six rolls in an hour and a half, but it slowed me down in the viewfinder, but it didn't slow down the amount of images that I took. And, I mean, it, it was really weird for this one model that I was shooting film first of all because like she's never shot with a photographer with film i put her in this one position and i set it up and it, it took me like a minute to set it up and I, I, and I looked i looked all through the viewfinder and then i just pulled the camera and i was like you know what no this doesn't work for me let's go to the next position she was like you're not even gonna take a, a shot and i was like no i only got you know i'll we have 36 images per roll. This didn't look good through the viewfinder, and let's just go. I mean, I ended up shooting six rolls in like an hour and a half, but to your point, it slows you down maybe in the viewfinder, to your point, the cost perspective, and just I knew I was going to have to develop that film. It was just be, it would be a wasted shot, but I shot a lot of film, but I, did, I don't shoot the wrong shots. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And a, a lot of people will say, well, I was, I was – offered a, a fantastic nugget of advice when I was getting back into film by a, uh, a, a, an established photographer that I know. And he said, hey, look, wh why don't you just buy a digital camera and you can learn to make mistakes on there? And my only response to him was that that's not how I work. There is no cost to me to shoot a digital camera. That, and that there is no way I will be able to use that as a learning experience. I need to make mistakes. I need to see mistakes. And actually... Um, I'd, I'd like to see if those mistakes are really mistakes a bit further on down the line, if, if that if that makes sense. I mean, there, there's photos that I go back to that are two, three, four, you know, 10 years old um, that I hated back then. Um, and I look at them now and I think, well, I was really onto something there. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how can I how can I recapture that particular fuck up? But um, no, I. I, I I think it's um, the choice of words that people use to describe film photography can be highly influenced by the communities that they that they exist in. Um, I think, yeah, it, it is it is cool to use use film these days, and and there are certain and they are tropes that get that get bought out. Film slows me down. Film does this. Film does that. But it's uh, as you say, I, I, as you say, Mac. I think it's. 
film allows you to see your potential mistakes before you make them. So just like you Absolutely. said, you, you, yeah. you, you, you position the model, you set up the camera, you put it there. Um, right. I know that's not, that's not going to give me what I want. So let's move on to exactly. the next. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. But I shot a lot of film, but I didn't shoot a lot of bad shots. You know, I, I shot the shots that I thought were worth developing, but mm. I still shot a, a ton of them, but I, I pulled the camera out and, and I love that I do that because, um, but I, I did shoot, I'm going to admit it. Uh, in one of these shoots, the model was like, I need content immediately. So I was like, okay. And I have my Nikon D750. And that's the first time I shot a digital camera on a portrait shoot in over a year. And what's hilarious is I, I would set up and I would just do one click, click, and I'd be like, and I'd put her in a different position. And then I was thinking, I have a digital camera. I can just hammer the fuck away right now. And and, mm -hmm. and I was so used to not hammering away. It was the weirdest thing ever. And then like the screen lit up on the back and I was like, what's blinding me in my face? I was like, oh, I can look at the shot right now. That was crazy. And uh, I delivered the wow. <laughs> Yeah, I delivered the images what the is next day witchcraft? to her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I edited them that night, and I delivered them the next morning. She was like, you just delivered 75 images to me in less than 12 hours. I was like, that's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. So, so was that, were you taking those with the digital shot before the hospital or after the hospital event? So that shoot was on Thursday. Yep. Was that before or after? Before, before, yeah, I was in there. See, that's why you yeah, went he, to the. He didn't answer the, the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. But that's the reason you went to the hospital. You you shot with a digital camera and just fucked up your whole system. Yeah, okay, bro. Yeah, yeah. I told her too. I was like, I haven't shot with a digital camera in a long time, and uh, I was very uncomfortable with the shoot as well because, like, I shoot, you know. I yeah. shoot like glamour. I shoot glamour <laughs> and slight boudoir, but this was like straight up nude shoot. And it's been quite some time that you know I've I've shot a completely nude shoot. And like she knew exactly what she wanted out of the shoot as well. Like normally I have to pose. And, and my, if you look at my Instagram feed, every one of those poses is a pose that I direct that model because I have like a vision. But this was like a paid shoot, and she has like a Patreon account, right? Mm -hmm. So she was like, I need content, and she was just like, bam, 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 and she was like completely nude. I was shooting a digital camera i was all fucked up i didn't know what was going on and uh, <laughs> the, the, the digital digital image is really amazing too i was like okay uh it, it almost tempted me to go back but it's just i don't like having to edit the image in post like that i like just scanning it and i enjoy the whole process of film so uh, it's just it, it was good to do it again though and it was mm -hmm. good that i was forced to do it she's like look i have to have this content tomorrow i'm paying so give me what i need and i was like oh, okay Pulled the D750 out and just hammered away. But I still shot like four rolls of film with her as well. And I've already delivered mm -hmm. a ton of digital images. It was just a really weird experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. And it was cool to not mm -hmm. have to direct the shoot just to run a camera, right? So like yeah. she literally was like, okay, next outfit, next position. Let's uh, let's shoot over here. Let's shoot over here. I was like, shit, all I have to do is run a camera. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Really good, and then the other nice. three shoots they were more inexperienced. So every single position, like, all right, chin down this way, no this way, mm -hmm. uh, chin that way, eyes this way. It was one of those where it's like really working. Uh, so it was refreshing. It was fun. Chin to your left, no, your other left. <laughs> do all the time. Every time nice. I say, okay, I always say, take your left hand and put it like over, cup it around your ear. They always lift the right hand, but I do it too. So it's just yeah. hilarious. I just know what's going to happen every time. <laughs> okay. So yeah, but that did that did put me in the hospital, Don Conde. 
Yeah, it was twerking uh, with it. You did the. <laughs> you were twerking. And then you were holding a digital camera. Yeah, your body was just in shock. It was like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, yeah. What, what Mac is, is not. Yeah. Yeah, what he's leaving out is his twerking competition is why his ass is all giving him problems right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did he say? Yeah, uh, anti anti convulsing drugs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Is what it is. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> it's anti twerking drugs. Anti twerking drugs. Anti twerking drugs. Yep. Nice. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for picking. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how we move on from from that mental image. Who says <laughs> we have to? I, I would. I would like to. No, I would like to move on a lot. Yeah, um, you know you're intrigued. I can. Your little, your little English self is over there. Like, damn it, Max shoots film twerking. Yes, sir. Jolly good cheerio, pip pip, motherfucker. <laughs> twerking, twerking togs. <laughs> I, I, I am j- just in honor of you. I am having a cup of tea, and I'm drinking it now with my pinky extended. That, oh, that wow. is. Yeah. I, I would. I would expect nothing less, sir. <clears throat> no, yeah. One does try. So, so, so M, let, let me jump in here real quick. So, M, um, you know, like there are a lot of trolls, and you know, the Granny Days podcast. We absolutely love that. And uh, okay. you've almost trolled with this one twenty mm. You have? Do you have a website dedicated to that as well? Is it, do I understand? Okay, that okay. To, like, hold on, hold on, Matt. Hold on. Be. You're cart before the horse. We we haven't even let him introduce himself yet. So we can uh, yeah. people listening. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's kind of before we jump into the show, let's let him take a minute and actually say who he is and why we why he thinks we may have gotten him on the show tonight. Uh, or this morning for him um, <clears throat> before we go into the troll talk because um, yeah it, that we I I have a feeling that's going to go for a little while. I also think it's funny that you said let me jump in when you've been talking for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> so M, jump in. Who are I mean, shit, you're, you're still talking. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are such assholes. <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, heart eyes to all of you right oh. now. M. Who are you? Yes. Why are you on the show? Uh, I am M, seer of the latent image, ranter of many rants. <laughs> so proper. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, I'm i a guy who got pissed off with people telling me not to just fuck about with film. Um, got pissed off with toxicity on internet forums. Um, and thought I'd just set up a, a website to really selfishly share um, all of the shit that I was apparently not supposed to be doing, pushing film and doing, mm-hmm. not really developing in my own piss. I don't, I don't go there. Um, but ju- just, just doing the experimental stuff. And so I, I set up a, a website um, four and a half years ago now, I think. Yeah, four and a half years ago, pretty much bang on. Um, and it's kind of quickly developed into uh, uh, less about about me and my needs <laughs> um, and more about giving a voice to people like me um, who are just everyday photographers who want to share what they do, who want to share what they've learned. Um, and it's, it's a real passion project. And I, I, I know it's 2019 and people overuse that term, but um, it, it's this is what gives my waking life in my day job uh meaning so photography is is a real kind of uh healing tool for me 
um, and being able to share this passion with other people and being able to um, interact with, meet other people who feel the same way and and build this amazing community as well as be a part of the wider amazing community has been, um, it's, it's been probably the best thing I, I've done uh, on a personal level in my adult life, apart from uh, meet and marry the woman of my dreams. Aww. Nice. Yeah, you weren't expecting that, were you, motherfuckers? Jesus, there's the M. I was like, where is this thing going? <laughs> no, what just, what, no, listeners, what just happened there was M was real for a second. He's like, oh, fuck. I've got a reputation to uphold. Motherfuckers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's mother, mother Farquad. Yes. Um, no. It, it's it's. You know. I, I really. I, I really. Um, I, I enjoy what I what what I do with emulsive, and um, it completely, honestly, you know, just zero bullshit. It, it is. Uh, it is a very big part of my uh, mental health and my my mental well being to be able to continue doing this. It's a, it's a, it's a release for me. Um, so there's no bullshit there, and I, I think I've spoken about that aspect of it for me in the past. Um, and yeah, I just I just love kind of just where the community's gone over the last four and a half five years. It's not something that I, I could have or would have predicted, to be honest. Um, kind of just the explosion of you guys as, as podcasters. That so many niches within this little niche just kind of rearing their heads and. You know, the amount of people out there who are solidly passionate about shooting film, not only on a personal level, but but actually bringing it into, you know, back into the the commercial heart of photography is just, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah. Dude, your website is, is amazing. It's so comprehensive with, with all yes. of, of the content. It That's, is. It, it's a great resource. It's not only is it a great resource, it's it's very friendly to people who uh, are unfamiliar with like film photography. You, it's it's laid out like very intuitive and it's easy to navigate. It's easy to find the content. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even then, I find it that there's um, hopefully over the Christmas break, I'm going to be working on just updating the the menus, just making it easier to to discover stuff. So earlier this year, I put together a, a curated collections kind of page where you can just you go onto this one page there's a big icon in the in the sidebar and it just gives you all of the introductory articles you know here's here's everything about darkroom or here's everything about um uh, shooting particular film stocks or here's everything about you know cameras and camera reviews but there's there's almost there's almost too much content on there in some respects. Someone asked me the other day, how many articles have you published? And I had a quick look and it's nearly 2,300. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now probably let's say, let's say a thousand of those um, are my photos. So all of the photography, when you go to emulsive.org slash photography, every photo that you see there is mine. Um, so if you take those away, there's still, you know, probably 13 to 1500 um, kind of solid, and some not so solid. It's always the way articles there about about everything. And I just I need to figure out how to organize those to make it easier for for people to answer questions like how do I develop my first roll of film or how do I bulk load a film? How do I make red scale? Yeah, you know what's what what does Portrait Eight Hundred look like on a Zeiss Icon Netar folding one hundred and twenty camera? I can actually answer that question already. But you know you know what I mean. It's it, it's a challenge keeping everything 
uh, organized in a way that is easy for for my target audience to discover. And those are people who are primarily coming into film for the first time, or they just want to answer a question about what is X with X over Z look like. Yeah, M, I mean, like, I definitely want to thank you for like spending, I mean, it has to be a massive undertaking to spend so much time to like coordinate all this content because you do have guest authors that contribute as well, but it is just so massive like when i was making the switch from digital to film the two places i spent the most time were youtube and emulsive i mean it it is really comprehensive so thank you so much for all the time and dedication to that well you, you know having done the fe2 article with me um kind of how what the editorial process looks like so very professional uh, yeah initial drafts and all of that kind of stuff and yeah there, there are certain elements that i need to um kind of massage a little bit to just make it easier uh, on my time because for the most part I'm accepting you know raw text raw images and I, I'm then editing or I'm helping uh, put together outlines and and um, and flows and stuff like that and and yeah I mean it's on a on an easy week it's probably about 30 35 hours uh, on a rough week I might be doing as much as, as much as 40 maybe 45 50 hours. Just on the site, yeah. That's a lot. That's that's a lot of hours. Well, and that's <laughs> with a day job, right? Like this isn't your full time gig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's evenings and weekends. That's evenings and weekends. Um. So yeah, it, it it's a lot, and um, you know, it, it would be lovely to get to a point where doing this. I've said this before. You know, it, this is my main source of income. Right now, I'm happy to be able to just cover my uh, cover the operational costs you know hosting and and all of the tools and stuff that you need to use they're not cheap <laughs> um so i'm happy to cover those costs and, and have a have a bit more cash in the bank that i can then use to throw um you know throw at additional stuff for for the website um i haven't haven't quite gotten to the point of saying right i'm gonna go and buy this 600 buck lens just to test it um but hey, you never know. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, you're surrounded by like so much film content. I mean, does it does it fuel gas or drive you away from gas? You know, I mean, like, do you just get like so inundated? You're just like, okay, I'm I'm done. <clears throat> that that's that's a really good question, and the the gas is is real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I, I get quite a few submissions come through um, for stuff that exists for me as like a, a dream camera or a dream setup. Um, and sometimes I walk away from that thinking, okay, well, I can, I can still achieve what's being achieved here using what I have. And um, other times uh, I, I don't. Um, I'm pretty, pretty well controlled now. Um, I did... The, the gear that I want is is prohibitively expensive and it's only getting more expensive. So I found different ways to achieve what I would do with that gear um, in a way that funnily enough turns out to be closer to how I prefer to shoot anyway. The, the, <clears throat> the X-Pan is a great example of that. You know, I really wanted 
uh, to go down go down that road of, of wide format photography, blah blah blah. Um, experimented with with uh, thirty five mil film and everything from Hasselblads and Mamiya's to uh, Fuji six by nine rangefinder. And this year, I've just settled on on shooting uh, anamorphic lenses on thirty five mil cameras instead. Um, so for me, being able to see the photo, being able to see the literally see the subject separation in the viewfinder um, is is closer to my my preferred kind of way of of taking a photograph. And the X-Pan, as lovely as it may be, it's still a rangefinder, and I I don't really get on with rangefinders, even though I own two Leicas. <laughs> that must be the most fucking stupid ass comment anyone's ever made. I don't really like rangefinders, but I've got two Leicas. <laughs> their investment yeah yeah well they're, they're for very specific things actually the uh, one of them i only shoot with a 90 mil lens um and there's a whole reason actually getting into leica is because of a 90 millimeter lens in the first place um and the other one is wide um so i i zone focus and and shoot a, a 21 on there so my 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 50s my 35s they're just um, not being used right now. It's mostly 21 and 90. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like you could you could get away with something like a, a what is the um, the Bessa L that's like no viewfinder that you could just like spend 200 mm. bucks on and pop a wide on there and go. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I got uh, so I, I had one of the old um, Voigtlander 21 mil plastic square viewfinder things and they are i mean awesome and a couple of years ago now i was opening my dry cabinets because all of my camera gear lives in humidity control cabinets um i opened up this this dry cabinet and in slow motion just watched this this viewfinder topple and just land on 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 stone floor um and the thing just smashed just the, the glass, it's kind of bulbous, it comes out, the whole thing's smashed. And you know, these things are like like 150, 180 bucks on eBay. And I just I couldn't bring myself to to buy another one at that price. And it just so happened that a little while after I was I was sent a 35mm lens and I was still trying to figure out how to use the 21 without, you know, without a proper viewfinder. And I saw a really nice deal come up for one of these um uh Voigtlander is it a Voigtlander? Yeah, I guess a Voigtlander variable zoom finder. So it's like a giant turret thing. Um, and it goes from uh, 12 mil all the way up to, I think, 35 or 50. And you just you just turn a you just turn a, a barrel on the front of the thing and it just zooms in and out. <clears throat> so I just I, I got one of those and I thought exactly exactly what you just said. I could just get a, a Bessa L or a, an old Leica ND, like an ND1 or something like that without without a viewfinder and just just use that. Because who needs to focus with a 21 mil lens, right? Yeah, everything's in focus anyway. Well, who mm. needs to focus, period? Exactly. Sharp, <laughs> sharpness is overrated, right? There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like 97% of Max photos are out of focus, so um, why not? Yeah, that's because he's shooting it. It's because he's shooting at 1.2 for the broker, bro. Right, that's right. True. That's true. He's got like 2% of his photo in focus. It's my jam. Yeah, well, that, uh, that's what the clarity slider in Lightroom's all about, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, M, 
you recently posted an article on the buying experience of the F6 Japan camera hunter like that was a really great mm. article especially for people that are like looking to buy film cameras there's like so many ways to buy film cameras obviously you know thrift shops goodwill ebay obviously craigslist but then you know there is uh, another layer of professionalism that you know japan camera hunter offers and being a nikon fanboy and the f6 is a dream camera like mm. Uh, first of all, do you even still use your F6? Is that where is that like now yeah. sitting on a shelf somewhere? Since you, <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, well, Nikon it, boy. It, it's, it's, Sorry. The thing that the thing that really surprised me with that article, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised about it afterwards, is um, people were getting in touch with me to tell me that it was a terrible review of the camera. And I, I, I had to explain, if you read the title, it's, it's not a fucking camera review. It's an experience, exactly. it's an experience yeah. about buying this camera. The review's coming later. Anyway, um, uh, yep. the, it's, it's funny. So I've always wanted an F6. And um, I was looking at a weather-sealed SLR um, and was looking at the, the, the EOS one because, um, you know, legendarily seals against weather blah 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 and then it just it just hit me it's like you you've wanted the f6 <clears throat> for years you're looking for a weather sealed camera but you're looking at investing in a, in a completely alien system to you why why don't you just buy the f6 you fucking idiot <laughs> right. it's weather sealed you know it does the job um and i i yeah that that's that's kind of how i took the plunge and i um i contacted bellamy uh, at jch and he had no idea that that i wanted to do this you know disclosure um i i <clears throat> i consider him a friend um i know him we we we, we talk we we do shit posts on social media together um he, he's he's a good guy and i figured this is going to be a special purchase for me and i i wanted to not have to stress about going through 20, 30 different eBay listings over the course of a couple of months and match serial numbers and box contents and all of that kind of stuff. So I just told him what I wanted. And um, and he he did it. He went and did it. And the, the selection that he pared down for me was essentially exactly what I wanted. He he advised me not to buy some of the things that I was I was planning on buying um, because he's used them before and Based on the use case that I gave him, he's like, yeah, that's that's going to get pretty heavy pretty quick. Maybe you want to have a look at this instead. Um, if you're looking at the, the motor drive, yeah, it's a great attachment, but you know, see how you use the camera first, and then and then buy one if if you if you think it's going to if it's going to work for you. And you don't have to buy that through me. You can just you know just go and buy that direct from wherever you want. So I really appreciated that kind of level of of candor. Um, and his his pricing structure is is very reasonable in my opinion um, for 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 what I ended up getting. Um, yeah, I mean I I don't know what, what what else I can I can say about that, but it was a a completely positive experience um, from yeah. beginning to end. And and he he didn't know that I was going to write an article about it either. I, I didn't. I actually I didn't tell him until until some time after it was posted but he'd already he'd already seen it on social media and he's like uh cheers <laughs> all right yeah, I, I mean, yeah what i appreciate about the article was that it, it is a different experience buying 
like white glove service through Japan Camera Hunter as opposed to eBay or Craigslist. So, you know, and, and I've never bought one through a service like that where you're getting the advice, you're communicating with someone with you know, what your intent is to purchase. They find it and you know the, the, the quality of the item that you're buying is going to be top shelf along with the service as well. So it's cool. And I think everyone listening who hasn't read that article, you know, read that just to understand that there is another avenue that you can go through where there's people out there that are like literally hunting for the best version of that and providing all that additional detail because you know i've I've really had some terrible experiences on ebay with purchasing Mm -hmm. so it's good to know that there's this whole other level out there that you can experience if you're looking for a quality film camera there there was in in my original ask so there were um it was the camera a grip and three lenses, and the three lenses were were more me just kind of exploring um, the the potential than anything else. And one of those, which I think was the twenty thirty five, I think it was a twenty thirty five two point eight, maybe. Um, and so I said, you know, this is the condition that I want it. And he's like, <clears throat> I'm going to stop you there. Um, the camera has been the camera's uh, the, that lens has been used for this, you know, by this kind of photographer here. Um, in Japan. So if you're looking at something that is mint in box, blah, 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 you're going to be able to get it, but it is going to be prohibitively expensive. Um, so you need to ask yourself whether you you want to buy the, the, the box and everything for completeness as a collector, um, or if you want to buy a lens that you can use, because the, the, the difference in price is going to be maybe maybe two or three times the, 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 the kind of base level. Um, and he, he didn't have to do that. And I, I, I guess for a lot of people, you could interpret that as he's just trying to fob you off by saying, look, you know, giving you an excuse and then saying, essentially saying, look, it's not worth my time doing this for you. Um, and I, I know a few people who felt that they have had that experience from, as you say, these kind of white gloves, um, white gloved uh, uh, purchasing um, services. But for me, I, I just sorry. That's a bike going past. For me, I just appreciated, um, just appreciated the sentiment. You know, you can spend a lot of money if you want. I'd advise you not to because you're. It's, it's potentially just gonna. It's not going to be worth it. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you've got to appreciate that, that sort of honesty, um, because I mean, you're essentially you're painting for a service, so you don't want him. Like he, he, first of all, he doesn't want you to be pissed off when you get this piece of equipment, especially if you've paid, you know, a lot of money for it, and then money to yeah. him on top of it to find it. So it, it makes perfect sense that he would be that way because he wants you to have the best experience possible through him, and also get the gear that you want through him as well. Yeah, exactly. And to, to be honest, there was. Um... Yeah, there was there were two negative aspects of of, of working with with Bellamy. Um, number one is well, number one came from me, which is I initiated the conversation with him on Messenger, um, whereas I should have I, sh- I should have done it via email. Just you know, I, I'm I'm not getting any any special treatment just because he knows me. Um, so he's a busy guy. Um, and I, I think I wrote about that in the article as well, that um, if you want to engage a service yourself, it doesn't matter who you are to the other person. You need to engage on a, on a professional basis. The, the second um, kind of negative aspect, which is really down to Bellamy just completely, is I 
I asked him to include an instax of him wearing some kind of Disney princess outfit. And, um, <laughs> and I've got, I've got emails to prove that. And, and it, it didn't come, you know, he sent, he sent some, some squid and some, uh, kind of, uh, sour plum sweets and stuff like that. But I did not get the instax. Um, I would so be outraged. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was. I mean, it's he, he didn't even he didn't even acknowledge that I'd made the request in the first place, which is that's like slap in the face, disgusting. Yeah, you should have yeah. you should have had him invoice it, and then you you know he'd be contractually obligated. I should have done. I should have done. Well, I need to I need to check uh, into um, emails as uh, as contracts uh, according to Japanese law. I mean, if he was based in New York, then you know he'd be screwed. I'd be taking his ass to court. But. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So just, just you know, if, if you're planning on buying something from JCH and you expect to get an Instax of wearing of him wearing kind of questionable cosplay stuff, um, it's not going to happen. So you know, he's not Japanese. Well, he's not he's not Japan cosplay hunter, I guess. It's an mm. awful joke. It's an awful you know what? Moment, I'm sorry. You know what? I bet that would make him more money than the camera business. <laughs> that would be a deal breaker for me. I, I need an instax of some kind. Maybe yeah. a foot. Foot would be nice. <laughs> Double pedal. You know, just on a there side note, so I don't know if you guys saw the um, the model who got banned from the MLB for flashing at the World Series game a couple days ago. Are you familiar with this? I heard mm. about it. So there were two models that were sitting right behind home plate at one of the World Series games lately, and they flashed the pitcher. And... Um, there was like all this crazy hubbub. So th- I-, I promise this does kind of tie in. Um, so she's a, a Patreon model and whatnot. And we were, I went looking through like her, um, her Patreon and she has like 8,000 people who pay her $15 a month to <coughs> see photos. Um, and if you add that up, that's, that's a sum of money. It, it's like roughly like $1.5 million a year off of, you know, just photos. So, I feel like Bellamy's really missing out on this um, Instax opportunity. Opportunity because he could probably make a good sum. Heck yeah! Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll 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 suggest it. I'll yeah. suggest it to him. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, I mean, you know, he way. can show off his tattoos. I guess. Yeah. yeah if you phrase yeah, it hey, that dude, way, coming do you do you want to make one point five million dollars a year? I'll just leave with that. Yes. And then yes, exactly. And then see what happens. You know what? And if he doesn't, if he doesn't take you seriously, that's just on him. Yeah, I mean, we can just use deep fakes, right? Yes, deep fakes, like, yeah, deep fakes. I don't. I... Right, job done. Speaking <laughs> of that, by the way, I I saw because you know Tom Tom Selleck was supposed to be. I think he was originally approached to be Indiana Jones. Um, so someone relatively recently put together a deep fake of Tom Selleck. Uh, his face on Harrison Ford in a bunch of Indiana Jones um, uh, kind of scenes, and it, it's it's creepy. <laughs> it is it is really really creepy. It's not the best deep fake that you've seen, but I would encourage you to to go and find that thing. Okay, I'm gonna write this down. Tom Selleck, Indiana Jones deep fake. Yeah, that'll now, get you what you want. Did did he have the the rad mustache? Because I feel like that's what Indiana Jones was really missing. Was a rad mustache. Of course, yeah. You know he's on. He's on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's on Temple Temple of Doom. He's on that 
kind of rope rope bridge in between the the, the two mountains, and he's he's chopping that thing off with a giant hairy rat on his upper lip. Yes. Nice. That sounds like my kind. Yeah, of that's movie. the mustache I wish I could grow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining you looking in the mirror, just, just thinking, why do I have to be Doug Tanyan? I want to be Tom Selleck. Exactly, exactly. Oh Uh, my gosh, that, that brings in the real um, Renato Jeremias. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we've talked about the website a little bit. Um, Let's talk about your secret Santa because. By the time people listen to this, it's already wrapped up. Um, you did things a little bit differently this year. Usually, you go from like midsummer to October, right? But this year, you just kind of said "fuck it" and only did October, um, which kind of caught me off guard because I wanted to get you on before all of this so we could be like, "Hey, M, talk about this thing." And now it's like, "Well, no, it's over." But let's let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it's normally normally I've been kicking off around about uh, mid August, September time last year because I, I really wanted to try and break a thousand players. Um, I started much earlier. I think the the pre invites went out in August and registration opened uh, the beginning of September. So we 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 ran registration for about three three months, I guess I want to say. Um, yeah, uh, but we ended up with I think altogether about. Uh, 13, 1,400 players, um, about 150 of those I ended up removing from the event uh, because they didn't have profiles and wish lists and just the important stuff that tells you that people are engaged, you know. Um, and this year I held back until the last possible minute and just thought, okay, um, last year was uh, a bit of a zoo. Uh, it, it took up much more of my time than it normally does. Uh, let's see what happens if we just go for a for a one month registration window. And I think as of this very minute, uh, let's have a look. Yeah, so there are nine hundred and eighty one people registered with two days to go. Right on. Wow. And and that is nice. that is that before or after you've snapped? You, you've done your Thanos snap. <laughs> uh, that that's before. So there's there's about forty people without wish lists. Uh, probably about the same without profile pictures, and some of those guys kind of overlap. Um, so I've got kind of daily social media um, updates and, and email blasts going out to people to say, look, you need to do something, otherwise you're going to be removed. Um, I'm guessing we're probably going to end up. Around about the 950 to 1,000 player mark. Uh, by the time we hit November 1st, that, that that's my gut feeling. Um, so yeah, I guess if you happen to be listening to this before the weekend of the second and third of November, and you don't have a profile and you don't have a wish list, then I look forward to inviting you onto the event next year because you're not playing this year. Yeah, suck it. Yeah. It, it sounds it sounds like I'm being a complete asshole about it. And um, the honest answer to that is a little bit. Yeah, um, I could allow people to play uh, without profile pictures and without wish lists. But when when you think about other people, I mean, put it like this. OK, sending something that's worth a minimum of 20 bucks um, is not a big commitment. Um, and the vast majority of people who no show on the event are people who haven't been bothered to just 
you know, 30 second job, set a profile picture, 30 second job, just have one item on the wish list that says, hey, I shoot 135 and 120 film. Um, so my opinion is if you if you can't, if you can register, but you can't do that additional kind of two minute step to just set those two things, that tells me that you're going to be, you've got a, a greater likelihood of being disengaged, thus letting someone else down, thus having me chase up with five or six rounds of, of emails and messaging and trying to find you on social media, and thus me getting somebody else from the community um, to, or even coming out of my own pocket to, to get a gift to the person that you've been matched with. So if I can negate that, then I will negate that because it's 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 not it's never been a small event to manage, both in terms of headspace and, and physical physical action. Um, and uh, over the years, I've had people delete social media profiles. I mean, can you believe that? Can you believe that they're, they'll literally delete their social media profiles? They're, they're, I've got I know people who are currently studying and working in their university labs people who are working in established film labs, people who are established film photographers, sorry, uh, established photographers, have their own studios, run clients, all of that kind of stuff, who have no show from the event and just ghosted me completely. And that, that, that's even for me contacting them via, via the, the email, personal emails that they've provided plus their professional emails that they've provided. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I would like to not have that that kind of headache and actually doing a, a double registration and, and kind of managing what, what what I would consider to be um, disengaged players before the event takes place. I mean, last year we had uh, 1,161 players and a, a dropout rate that was um, lower in number to the previous year when we only had like 780 people playing. So, you know, 40% growth, but we actually dropped the no-show rate by individual people um, by by probably about 30 or 40% as well. So it tells me that something's going right, at least with that process anyway. Now, do you notice a difference in uh, people who click to go international being no-shows more so than people who are working with their own country? Is there any correlation between that? No. No, I mean, the, the biggest problem that the international guys um, have, well, actually, the biggest problem that the international guys have and, the, and pretty much and the people inside the U.S. is the quality of the postal service. I think I had, I had more, um, more disasters with shipping inside the U.S. Um, as a percentage of players playing than any other country in the world last year. I mean, we're talking about uh, last year and the year before. So we're talking about um, parcels being received empty, uh, empty parcels being returned to the sender, uh, tracking numbers not being able to be tracked by by USPS. Um, it's it's just it's just mad. I mean, the international guys certainly, yeah, there, there'll be some people, let's say in Australia, who get matched to send something to someone in Iceland, for example, or, or Canada. Um, and there's a sudden realization of, oh, shit, this is going to cost me $70, $70 to, to <laughs> ship, you know, to, sh to ship five rolls of film. Yeah. Now, all of that happens, generally, all of that happens within the first few days of matches being being put out there. So within that first week or so, there's there's definitely a bit of juggling that goes on uh, to see if I can reallocate matches and just kind of make it easier for people to, to, to participate. What I've done this year is I've sent 
uh, emails out to everyone who is registered internationally and just just made it very clear you could be you could be connected with someone on the other side of the world you're going to have to pay for for shipping um uh, are you sure that you still want to do this? Uh, and I, I must have had, I think there's there's about 400 people registered to or tagged with that. And I, I must have had about 80 or 90 emails back from, from people saying, yeah, no, I still want to go ahead through to people saying, you know, holy shit, I didn't realize that that, that might happen. You know, I'm in America. I thought international meant Canada. And it's like, well, that is an indictment on your education system. But look, here's how you... Uh, it, yeah, that, you, you know, that actually that. happened to me last year. Uh, I got matched with a guy who was on a small island outside of Greece, and it was going to cost me $270 to ship something to him. And nice. Fortunately, uh, Aisland came through, and we were able to work it yep. out. So I sent it. We actually sent it to a family member who was going to be traveling back over there soon who was in the states visiting or something but um, that's so cool <laughs> yeah i got super lucky because the thing was the guy wasn't responding to me on i couldn't get in contact with him um but some mm. for some reason he was talking to her and it was just a huge nightmare and it was after christmas before we got everything settled but i was like listen i i don't want to be like a no-show on this but i cannot afford to to mm. you know 260 dollars for 50 dollars worth of stuff well, the, the, the first year I got matched with someone in New York, I sent a huge box out. And I mean, that was, um, <clears throat> that was, I think, $75 uh, to ship to the US. Uh, contacted them to let them know it was there, sent them tracking, contacted them after it had arrived to let them know that it was there, nothing back. And then in mid, mid Feb, I think, or end, end of Jan, mid Feb, Postman rings at the door and it's like, oh, there's the giant box that's supposed to be in New York. They hadn't picked it up. They hadn't picked it up. Um, and that left me in a really difficult position because I'm thinking, well, I've, I've organized this. I've just spent 75 bucks to ship it out. It's going to cost me another 75 to ship it out. Um, what do I do? Uh, and I, I ended up, I, I did end up shipping it back. It cost me another 50 bucks because I didn't use a express service. Um, and they they got it, I think, sometime in in early March. Wow. Um, yeah. So there, there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things that that you do need to think about. And right now, with the platform that that we're using, it's not it's not my platform. So I'm it's pretty much the best out there. But there are still some restrictions I wish that we didn't have. I'd love to be able to um, have shipping within let's say a continent or a particular region so if you're in europe you can choose um choose national choose continental or choose you know intercontinental as uh, as an option for, sh for shipping um maybe if i if i have enough uh, time and and cash i can complete building out the the kind of semi built out platform that i have um but yeah given those kind of 30 to 40 hours a week that I already put on onto the site. I'm not sure that's going to happen um, anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, at that point I would just pay somebody 20 bucks to do it by hand. I mean, it might what take a couple hours to match a thousand people. Uh, last, last year. Well, the, the year before when we did it manually, uh, it took Iceland and I uh, two days. Oh boy. Okay, I, I misjudged that a little. Bit. Well, because you're if, if you imagine, so you've got 
uh, every country has got people who want to send nationally or internationally. Um, so the first thing you need to do is, is individually match up each country. Um, so there are going to be about 55, 60 countries that need to be matched. So you match everyone who's got a national pref preference there. You then extract all of the international people, and then you match the international people with each other. But even then, you are going to get that there's going to be a disconnect there with someone who didn't want to send internationally, who needs to send internationally, and 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 vice versa. Sometimes you can't make those all add up. But you know, if it's um, someone in Singapore who doesn't want to send internationally, but I can give them a match in Malaysia, which is literally over the border, then then that works. So there's there's a there's a whole manual process that's involved in making sure that we get the best randomized fit for everyone. Um, and this year, because I wasn't happy with the way that the automated matching happened last year, we're going to be going back to that to that process. And then we've got, you know, 28, 29 sponsors on as well this year, so they need to be matched. And then we've got this thing that I call Super Santa. So we need to match the Super Santas as well. And those are people who are saying, look, I've got an account but actually, I've got three gifts. Can you match me up with an extra two people? Because I just want to send out more stuff this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is cool. Mm. That is, yeah. It is It is really cool. I think I heard Mac was planning on doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. So this is my first time, and I was really upset that I missed it last year. But first of all, let me just rewind. This is why I love the film community. There's dudes like you like just donating all your time to organize all this shit. So first of all, you're spending 30 hours a week on, on this massive repository for film information. You're organizing all this stuff for Secret Santa. Thank you so much for doing that, M. Um, but then, so last year, I was really excited. I missed the deadline. I didn't get in, and I was like, okay. So this year, I got in. Whoever I match with... I am going, they're going to get the most amazing gift. They're going to be so pumped. I am just going to go way overboard because I buy a shit ton of cameras to review on my YouTube channel. And I've got <laughs> some I, I, I've, I'm never going to use again. And I, I don't want to go through the hassle of selling it. So I am going to blow up whoever gets matched with me. <laughs> they are going to be like, holy shit. Yes. So I'm excited. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's the build up watching the, the the registrations come in watching you know seeing all of these emails come in just just you know give yourself a pat on the back that kind of stuff you know it, it really does help massage the ego um and it, it's it, it is a very stressful time <laughs> to, to kind of it has to, to, to do all of this so getting sure. getting a little thank you it, it might sound like oh you know he's only doing this just for for his own sake it's kind of it, this is more like a, a positivity bank for my safe for my mm. my 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 well-being and i'm going to be making constant withdrawals from that all the way from november 1st until probably until uh, about <laughs> february march next year in in fact just this year um October, there are still people receiving gifts, makeup gifts from last year's event. So it's not like it, it just happens and then I just I don't do anything. Iceland and I are talking about this throughout the entirety of the year, thinking, okay, we've still got two or three people who haven't been, they've not received their gifts. We need to, you know, we need to do something. It, it's I, I feel bad. I feel bad leaving people out in the cold. Oh. Can I say something? I know this is going to go out late, but I'm sure you know your billions of listeners are, are going to be all playing anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, we do have if, a billion listeners, yes. <laughs> if you end up, if you end up getting matched internationally, um, and it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to post from your local location, do this. 
find somewhere online like camerafilmphoto.com or analog wonderland or photo impex or you know in europe um mike padua freestyle photo and even photo warehouse the ultrafine guys in, in the us get them just talk to them they are small businesses send something as a gift through those companies get them to market as a gift and then get down to your post office with a print a bag of sweets and a jiffy bag with a note and then send that to them yourself so go ahead and drop ship stuff if if it's going to save you you know save you a lot of money in postage but if you drop ship something make sure it's marked as a gift and absolutely for the love of a deity just make sure you send them a letter or something personal yourself i i had i had what felt like a drop ship sent to me last year uh i think i had four or five rolls of film uh, in a jiffy bag i just opened up the jiffy bag because i didn't recognize where it come from i opened it up and it's like oh there's my secret santa gift um we've had people drop shipping drop shipping stuff from from amazon with with, with no other communication nothing like that yep you're sending a gift to someone that you probably don't know and they're just a member of the community another friend that you haven't met yet so for the love of all that is good just gift as you as you would like to receive yes oh absolutely yeah but yeah, um, and and i second oh, and, that and don't don't send, make sure don't send broken shit as well Sorry, don't right. send broken shit because yeah. uh, I, uh, you know, it, it, every year I say not to do it. Every year, at least someone gets gets a, a camera, you know, a, a tiny camera thrown into a giant cardboard box, and it's all broken. The, the battery compartment's corroded to shit. I mean, come on, you can recycle mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Um, don't, don't don't send that stuff out. It's not a not a time of the year to get rid of crap that you don't need. Anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted. That's okay. I was just going to say I second the part about uh, making sure that whoever you're sending it to, that you tell them, you know, if it's going to be like a dropship thing, that uh, something's coming for you. Because the first time that I did it, Ammon, this is when I got in trouble because I opened the gift before the time, uh, before the the date, was because the box didn't say anything about Secret Santa. And I'm just looking, I'm like, whoa, I got a camera. I got it. It was a little Lomo uh, fisheye baby thing. Mm. And um, I was like, what the heck? And then later on, I need to find out. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a dropship from Canada. But, I got, tr- <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I got in trouble for opening it early. You did. did you did. I never did. I, I should have <laughs> taken that. I should have taken that back. But, you know, I'm not a benevolent no, gestalt okay. entity. Um, no, I think <clears throat> if you are buying, if you are buying from uh, Freestyle or Photo Warehouse or Mike Padua or Analog Wonderland or Camera Film Photo or, or Film Folk or you know, any of the people listed in, in the bottom of the, the most recent article, if you're buying to drop ship from those guys, just let them know it's for Emulsive Santa. These guys know what Emulsive Santa is. Um, so let, let them know, because just as a, just as, you know, a thousand um, uh, kind people in the community are going out of their way to do something for someone else, if you tell these guys that you're shipping this as a gift for Emulsive Santa, you know, and just say, can you can you just stick an extra note in there to say, don't open until Christmas? Can you stick a piece of wrapping paper over the top? Can you just do something? The, these guys will help you out. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's what it's a really crazy feeling being in a position to put together a uh, a sponsor collage, and there's like nearly thirty companies in there from you know Ilford to Kodaks uh, from Fomapan who never sponsor anything. Um, 
to people like Sinistil and Adox, and and it's 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 humbling to be able to bring all of these people together and bring the whole community together because you never see all of these people in the same mm-hmm. place, and it just goes to show with all of the the rivalry that there is in in you know within the supplier end of the the film photography community market industry, um, when it comes down to it, these guys will gladly work together and they'll they'll cross promote each other's content that's talking about this event because they understand how important it is and i, I love that it, it i really love that yeah it's uh it was really weird to um actually pick what i wanted because it, it was like i don't want anything i, I mean i have everything i need I'm, <laughs> I'm very fortunate and like i just want to give somebody really cool shit uh, you know that feeling is going to be amazing yeah. um so it's weird to like pick something that you want but it's cool that that's available because instead of just like hey I, just let me just give them this you can at least have a, a directional indication of what they're into to make sure you kind of align with it when you do send the gift you're right it is it is really hard and and all 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 i really want from people is you know send me some film fantastic if you you got a wide lux or a hasselblad or a Leica you want to send that's fine <laughs> you know i'll that, that, don't worry about it Man. but just sim- send wait, me something send me something personal <laughs> but I've, I've had a wide lux on my wish list for three years and so far no one's no one's uh obliged but you know it's not a shopping list right but no, all i want is a a, a note a little something personal a print maybe some local candy um just 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 something to connect me to that person that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a lot and yeah for all of the people who do send out uh cameras and and you know i think we had yashica mats and mamiya c330s we had a leica m3 a couple of years ago with a with a summer i think um you know all, all of those guys are absolutely absolutely just generous as fuck amazing people but the 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 most I would say um, the relationships that still exist today from even the very first Santa were built on communication and building a personal connection with that individual, talking to them using Elfster's anonymous DM, letting them know who, who, who their Santa was, you know, in a note or a letter um, uh, and, and, you know, tagging, tagging people on social media. Hey, you know, thanks Ed for sending this to me and I'm some, some dude in Belgium or Burundi or Madagascar or, <laughs> or, or wherever. Um, I think, you know, making sure, you know, I, I probably deal with about the hundred, 150 um, kind of, uh, what, what's the word? Um, de, de anonymizing emails uh, every year, which is just, Hey, this person sent me this. Uh, they didn't let me know who they were. Can you tell me who it was so that I can tag them on social media? Um, so yeah, just include your IG handle or your website URL or Twitter or something. Just, just make it personal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Make that connection. I mean, it's like we're bringing a a thousand film enthusiasts together and we get to interact like randomly. It's, it's a really cool thing. I mean, we're so, I, I freaking love the film community. It's, it's so unique. There was, there was a really funny one last year. I'll, I'll send you guys the link later. So there's a, uh, I won't mention any names here, but there was a chap based in uh, Lebanon uh, and the film community there is small. It's growing. Access to, to product is, is, is not, not that easy. Uh, so he got matched with someone in Scandinavia and he, he just he loves it. So he, he would send me messages on Twitter 
with screenshots of his of his conversation with this guy on Elster, um, where he's he's telling the guy to do stuff. He's like, okay, you're going to need to work for your gift this year. So he's telling the guy <laughs> to do stuff. It's like, okay, uh, you know, qu- qualifying questions. Do you own a cat? Do you like uh, Coca Cola? Do you uh, do you, do you drink coffee? Blah 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 blah. And then this guy has posted maybe four or five photos on Twitter um, with specific text that his Santa has told him to write with his, you know, he's wearing a pink bobble hat whilst holding his cat and drinking a glass of Coke or his, a picture of his cat next to his coffee maker and all of this kind of stuff. And this guy is also like totally into it, you know, and this is all building up through November through December. Mm-hmm. The, the guy in Beirut, who's a, he's a, a, a video production guy, he's a, he directs movies and TV shows and commercials and stuff. He ended up putting together a stop motion video of one of those little um, uh, artists' mannequins, you know, those wooden mannequin things. So this wooden mannequin wearing a Santa hat, um, putting together a gift like packing a box full of HP5, packing a box full of coffee, packing a box full of, full of other stuff from, from, from uh, Lebanon. So he, he put this stop motion video together. It took him two days. I think it's like, a, he said it's like two, 750 shots to, to put it all together. And then just posted that on, on, on Twitter. And these guys are still talking today. You know, the, the guy from Lebanon is now, now based in Canada. Um, and the second year, the same dude, he, he put together another uh, stop motion video <laughs> as well, you know, completely different. This time the mannequins wearing clothes, you know, so he actually had, there's a, a, um, a fashion designer, quite a famous fashion designer based in Lebanon. He actually had this person make clothes for the mannequin just oh, man. for, the, That's just so for awesome. this one shoot. And it's like, wow. I mean, <clears throat> talk about just above and beyond. Um, and it's stuff like that. I'm not saying everyone has to go and make stop motion videos, but right. you, you, you can, you can engage with your match to whatever point you're, you're comfortable with. You know, they're just, they're literally just a friend or member of the family that you, you, you might not have met yet. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I'm excited about this year. I, I went, mm-hmm. I went local again. I say local by just United States, just because uh, a lot of the people I interact with are local, and I'm hoping to match with somebody that we have a daily communication with, and mm. similar story, you know, where something comes out of it more than just a "Hey, see ya," because I don't talk to either of the last two people. I couldn't get a hold of one of them. Mm. I want that story, Em. That's all. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You, you, you hype it up on all the podcasts and I'm like, that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen for everyone. I mean, it, 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 I organized the event and it still hasn't happened for me. Um, so I, I just take, I take comfort in the fact that there are people out there who will, who will engage, um, and who, who you can build relationships with. Um, it may not always happen, but Hey, you know, don't, don't get disheartened. It shouldn't, it doesn't mean that you should not be a nice guy, you know, when you're sending something. No, this is the last chance. If I don't, if I don't get engagement, I'm going to be an asshole. <laughs> that, 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 that's understandable. Um, check, check your, there you go. Check the, uh, the Slack chat. Um, so that is the, that's Adib's uh, 2017 video that he put together. Okay. Oh, Twitter. And then 
Yeah. Or you can. You, you don't have to be uh, logged in. I'll send you the one no, with the the clothed, the clothed mannequin. That was from last year. Dude, this is amazing. It's so that must cool. have took forever to do that. Yeah. yeah. Check out check out the second one that I've just sent over. I mean, the dude's wearing like a lumberjack shirt or something. Uh, when I say the dude, I mean the mannequin. But yeah, stick that in the show notes because I, I think it's something really fun. For sure. That's for sure going in. That's so cool. Wow. I think that was a good haul of him. He really made him made it worth going through all the trouble. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man. People were really creative. Yeah. Hell yeah. So let's so, talk about what how, what brought this whole idea <clears throat> on. Like, what inspired you to do this? I so I I, I started Emulsive uh, June first, twenty fifteen, and as it was getting close to Christmas, I just was thinking, hey, you know, we should do a Secret Santa, and I built some really good relationships with people in a really short space of time and and i just kind of looking around the internet to see whether there any such event was there that i could take part in and there, there was nothing so i thought well i'll just do something small then um so yeah i did did my research um put together the the initial santa group on on elster which is the, the website that i use to manage all of this um and just announced it. I can't even remember when that was, maybe September, October 20, 2015. And just said, hey, there's this, uh, I, I want to do a secret Santa. Who wants to play? And I think um, 120 people signed up. And I think at that point, I think I, 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 I had Lomography, Kodak, and, and uh, yeah, Lomography, Kodak, and, and Ilford, I think, were sponsors for that year. I need to, I need to double check. Um, <clears throat> And just said, okay, well, you guys, you know, two companies, um, I just need you to send out three gifts to three random people on top of their, you know, who will receive your gifts on top of whatever their match ends up being. And Kodak, uh, the, the Eastman Kodak up in Rochester, they they, they commissioned the local chocolatier to to make chocolate uh, chocolate cameras. <laughs> so they, oh, wow. they ended up, yeah, they ended up making these uh, these chocolate SLRs, which they sent in these really nice little little gift bags <laughs> you know alongside with a whole bunch of merchandise and other stuff as well oh that's cool yeah yeah so it just it just grew from there i mean um it was just it was something fun and even with 120 people something pretty small to be honest um and it, it was one of those things where yeah it was kind of stressful but then it it just it was so rewarding and so fulfilling at the end of it just to see everyone sharing gifts that they were wrapping people had made wrapping paper and they're, they're, they're you know saying hey if anyone wants a pdf of this wrapping paper just just let me know and I'll, I'll send it to you um then obviously people posting pictures of the gifts that they're receiving um and then everyone just going crazy and opening stuff on on christmas day that was that first year was mad it was absolutely mad just to see that um, and it, it just it just grew from there, and it, it, it I knew I wanted to. I, at the end of year one, I I was kind of umming and ahhing about doing it in year two because it, it had been quite stressful. Did it in year two, and then the same thing. You know, do I go? Do I put myself through this again? <laughs> um, and it's been like that's that's my my annual tradition every every year. Do I do this again? Yeah, let's do it. Um, 
you know, get get stressed out, say I'm not going to do it again, and then when it rolls around, all right, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> I mean, why not at this point? Just keep it rolling. Everybody's going to, I mean, it, it's obviously not getting smaller. You know, you got just as many people almost from, what, a third of the amount of time, so... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, we did uh, 120 in 2015, 460 in 2016, um, 780 in 2017, 1160 in 2018, and then this year, 1,000. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's been growing quite a lot. I, I just sent you the Kodak's tweets with their chocolate camera in the group chat, by the way. All right, let's see this. So the first I, I year you started was in 2016 then, right? 2015, 2015. 2015. Oh, that's oh, okay. cool. Yeah. Is that with Super 8? Yes. Wow. That, that's right, yeah. So that is, um, it's a Super 8 Tri-X uh, plus some Super 8 Motion. And I think at that, at that time they just... They just announced the stickers and the, uh, the, the the messenger bags. So I don't think the messenger bags were publicly available at that time. Hmm. Very cool. We'll make sure to put that in the yeah, show think, so uh, people can take a look at it as well. Yeah, I think everyone got a different... Of the three people, they all got different messenger bags as well, actually. It, it was it was either that or the uh, or like a, a Kodak, kind of a cooler bag, like a, like a beer cooler bag. Mm. Oh, right it was on. an executive decision to go for the messenger bag because I don't want to promote alcoholism. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so speaking of alcoholism, um, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention the um, hypersensitive photographers podcast <laughs> or, or triggered mm. hipster cast, as it's affectionately <laughs> referred to by some people. Yeah. Triggered um, hipster. That that that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, I think that it has to be probably one of the funniest podcasts that loosely related to the film industry. Um, for some reason, I put myself through the torture of listening to those episodes. But how, how did <laughs> how did you and Hamish kind of uh, get into this? Um, so, around about this time last year. Um, Hamish sent me a, a message on Facebook saying we should do a podcast. That 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 was it. <clears throat> and I've been I've been thinking around the same lines of just doing something, but more more, more focusing on a, a place to kind of vent than anything else. Um, so we we recorded. Um, so I sent Hamish a whole bunch of um, not instructions, but basically a document to say, right, I you know I I want this to be a well produced uh, car crash. Um, so, you know, we just structure it so that we know that we're talking, we, we know what we're going to talk about, but obviously it's going to end up being car crash TV because um, that's just the kind of people that we are. And we recorded an episode and I was horrified by how terrible it was. Um, and it took three months, but we posted that as our <laughs> as our first episode. And it's it's, it's so bad. It's, it's so bad. Um, yeah, we, we, we just thought that there's... There's a bunch of stuff that comes up um, in the community that is either completely wrong or just uh, completely wrong, not from a factual point of view, just just behavior and, and the way people are treated. And then there's there's our own kind of troubles and, and thoughts that, that, that we're going through. So we just thought, well, you know, we could just be two guys 
just screaming at the clouds, basically. I'm not selling it because there's nothing to sell. Um, it's terrible. Don't listen to it. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly accurate. I think it's it's definitely worth listening to if you, you know what it reminds me of. You know how in the '90s Comedy Central had all those like really bad shows, but you watched them because they were funny. I think that's <laughs> I think that's your podcast. <laughs> so so you're saying that that we'll get some kind of cult status? Yeah, eventually. Oh, you yeah, will. yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I really like that one show where it just went to noise. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and then I I'm was sitting cussing. there on my commute. On my sorry, sorry. No, I was sitting ahead. there on my commute to to work, and I hear you guys chat, and you guys said you're gonna call Bellamy, and I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, it just goes into just like the I think it was just the the, the noise sound. And I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. And then I just keep on hitting the fast forward because there's nothing happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so that that, that was uh, that, that was a, a very short notice, uh, short notice um, uh, podcast because we thought, well, we need to do something for April anyway. We tend to release at the beginning of the month, mm-hmm. and I think it was like the weekend before April first. Um, right. on, on the Saturday, I just I <clears throat> I contacted Hamish, I contacted Bellamy, and we, you know, we'd been teasing Bellamy as a gu- uh, as a guest for the previous couple of episodes, and we'd always have him on, have him say hello, and then just say, "All right, sorry, uh, we need to cut short. We don't have enough time," and we just get rid of him. <laughs> um, we just we literally just just hang up, just hang up the conversation, hang up the uh, the, 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 the mm-hmm. Skype on him. So we thought we'd, we'd have him on, um, but this time with the full intention of of just. You know, we'll talk for 10 minutes, get him talking about the cameras and a, a crucial moment where he's about to spill some information. We just cut to static. Um, <clears throat> and then after about an hour of static, we just then cut to the very end of the conversation where we talk about how meaningful and important what he just said was. Um, <laughs> if, if, you, if you, I mean, it was, it's completely awful. But if you, if you go to the very dead center of the episode, there's a little outtake in there of um, of uh, Bellamy talking to, I believe, his daughter, telling her not to eat her own hair. Um, so that, that's in there for about thirty. It's for about thirty seconds, and then yeah, it's just like static again for another another half an hour. Um, so that that was a complete. You know, that was whatever the podcast equivalent of a shit post is. Yeah. Um, it, it's all it's all a bit of a. It's all a bit of fun and games for Hamish and I. There are things that, that we do want to talk about. We're hopefully going to be recording um, next next week because it's been about three months since we've been able to get the time. I mean, he's um, opened up a co-working space in Worcester. <clears throat> he's moving house r- right now. Mm. Um, so things are kind of, and, you know, there's other stuff going on with me. So it's been a while since we've gotten together. But I, I think... Um, I think we're, we're we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about mental health. I think because um, I took a, a break from social media back in August for about three weeks uh, just to just to get away from the the negativity, uh, just to try and and that's not negativity towards me. That's just general negativity on uh, on on those platforms. Um, uh, Hamish has been in a bit of a bit of a funk, uh, photographically speaking, pretty much for the whole year. So we're just just going to talk about about those kinds of topics, and uh, maybe it will be it'll be useful to some people. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a I I think that's a healthy decision to step away from the social media for a little while. I tend to do that for a couple months a year myself. I'll I'll step back and really only use Instagram like once a every couple of weeks and that'll be like my entire use. I don't know how that's going to work now with the whole podcast deal and that's how I get guests and stuff, but we'll, we'll see how that goes this year. Um, you know, but going back to that episode, I have to admit you got me with that one because I was working <laughs> and I had my headphones in and I legitimately had to listen to static for like five minutes before I could reach a point where I could take the goddamn headphones out. <laughs> Man, we got so much, we got so much, uh, so much hate. Well, not hate, but just like so many like what the fuck comments coming off the back of that. It's like, yeah. I think there's a problem with your recording. There's just static in the episode. It's like, oh, we'll have a look at that. <laughs> we'll we'll try and get that fixed. Um, but yeah, a few other people got it as well. And, and obviously, uh, a couple of days later, that was the, um, the, the the whole group podcast Shit show. That, that went out as well yeah 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 that was that was a lot of fun that was what? a lot of fun you know what i have to admit it was like listening to your static was more pleasurable than that stuff that was great yeah i just remember with the, with, with the dogs barking in yeah. carl's carl's backyard there's just there's just mm. dogs there <laughs> the dogs just the random pop in and outs and and the random podcast it was fun it was fun i'm just talking shit but it, it was a lot of fun to listen to yeah. it was a humorous yeah. day in podcast land that's for sure yeah and I, I think it's it's important to remember that not everything has to be serious and not everything has yeah. to be advancing the art and 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 process and progress and you know you you can just you can have fun you know, we're, we're, we're not all doing this. Well, I, I, I would hate to think that there are film photographers in the community so serious that they can't, they can't poke fun at themselves. Yep. That's all this podcast is, is us poking fun at each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting our guests to poke fun at us as well. Yeah, so, Works you know, me. I'm surprised you haven't set up some sort of um, podcast network conglomerate yet then. <clears throat> got everybody under one wing <clears throat> well we, we tried to do that with the what is it called the the classic the classic negative well i can't even remember what we called it the, cla- the classic large format negative positive podcast project or, <laughs> or some ridiculous name um i did to be honest i think the one really good thing that that came out of of that April Fool's earlier this year, and it was an ulterior motive, was to get you guys uh, talking and get you guys on each other's podcasts and and just kind of just just collaborating. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 been fun, and you can you can certainly see from my perspective that you know on the outsiders, just seeing everyone, you know, you, you kind of see these strands that kind of knit knit all of you guys together in a way that that wasn't there last year. Um, and you know, it, sh- it should be like that. It should be like that. It's not as if it's not as if we live in this uh, this huge market where everyone can um, be siloed into their own content and, and mode of thinking. We're, we're all in it together, and, and it's just it's nice to have niches within niches that 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 people kind of slip to and from every so often. Yeah, and it's not like we're competing with each other. You know, we're not all 
doing the same content for the most part you know of course when it comes to news and stuff you know that's pretty standard we're going to talk about it but yeah you know it's not like everybody has the same thing to say so it makes no you know no sense to try to compete and isolate yourself yeah absolutely and you've got stuff like um you know, the large format photography podcast, then you've got the lens list going on as well. Then you've got Neg Pause, then you've got uh, Grainy Days, you've got Matt with his box of cameras. You know, there, there's so many, and it's, it's wonderful being able to dip into, dip into different conversations. And uh, I, I hesitate to use the term subject matter expert uh, for any podcast that Simon Forster's involved in, but his, his, <laughs> uh, um, his, his large format, you know, his, his representation of the large format noob um, in the the large format podcast is fantastic because you, you, so many questions and conversations come out of that, and I think it's it's really relatable to to people who are maybe trying large format for the first time or trying pinhole photography for the first time. You know, it's not these podcasts aren't something that that are run by <clears throat> complete experts in that field, uh, and it makes it that that much more engaging and endearing and and easier to to connect into from my my opinion anyway yeah i think that's kind of why they exploded in popularity is because everybody was like oh shit these are just regular dudes i can do that i could talk into a microphone for one to four hours yeah exactly exactly so speaking of news um i think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the ilford uh announcement that had just happened this week and all of the crazy flack that's come from it. Uh, but, but before that, before that, I have a question. Um, so I noticed last week you posted a photo with your Leica and talking about Rolly uh, Ortho. Was that just you trolling yeah. and trying to like yeah. gauge interest beforehand? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of figured. I saw I'm that, st- and then I saw the announcement <laughs> later. I was like, "That motherfucker!" <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people. Uh, not a lot of people picked up on that. I think there was one person on IG who did. Um, I deleted his comments and then sent him a sent him a DM just to say uh, hit a bit too close to home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I posted that. I posted a box of the new paper back in September. Just with the label covered by by my my M2, so, so that you couldn't see that it was this new fifth generation uh, multi grade RC. Um, it was great just just watching all of the you know, reading all of the comments on social media and as oh the red color must mean that it's an infrared film and the purple color must mean that it's you know delta 3200 in sheet form and you know the the rectangular box must mean that it's some kind of other sheet film and <laughs> everyone was wrong. I mean, everyone was wrong, uh-huh. uh, which yeah. it, it's, it's been a long time since a company's teased an announcement and one person hasn't got it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've yet to see anyone who wasn't aware of the product uh, having called it out as being what was eventually released. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> who would have thought that that's what they were going to release? It, it, you know, Orthofilm was not on anyone's radar. And you know the RC, like no, who who knew that? Besides, obviously, people like you and um, testers and whatnot, that they were even working on a new film or a new RC paper. New paper, yeah, yeah. No, it it, it it's true. And the the interesting thing that's come out of this um, 
has been the, I hesitate to use this term, um, but the entitlement, just the levels of entitlement yes. that, have, that have come out on social media, where people are, are genuinely upset that Ilford released a, a product that was not a color negative, a color uh, reversal film, that was not true uh, infrared, that was not a brand new um, chromogenic C41 processing film. And th these people are genuinely angry about it. Um, and it's, it's, it's really frustrating to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be the, the arse on social media that's, that's saying to people, okay, so you are a company that is venture-backed with limited resources to pay for a research, develop, and manufacture a new product. So that means that you look within an existing product line to tweak, uh, to improve what you already have, um, because the money is just not there. Yeah, Ilford, Ilford's original uh, Cibachrome product was essentially shut down by the uh, UK Monopolies and Mergers Commission because at that time, oh sorry, their, their original um, uh, colour film was shut down because at that time the only people who could develop it uh, were Ilford. So the Monopolies and Mergers Commission said, or at least the progenitor to that said, well, you know, you, you can't do this because you're locking in um, you're locking everyone in just to you. So you either need to develop it so that other people can develop the product so other people can uh, develop it, um, or you come out with a new product. And even at that time, you know, the golden age of film, the cost was so prohibitive for Ilford to develop their own C41 process film. What did they do? They went to Agfa, they went to Ferrania, they went to 3M. So all of the color film from, I think, the uh, late 60s, early 70s until... It was killed uh, about 10, uh, sorry, 12, uh, 15, 20 years ago. That was rebranded film. There is no fucking way in hell Ilford are going to release a brand new color film when their entire business is built on, on black and white. So, okay, let's, let's look at true, let's look at true infrared films. Fantastic. The last true infrared film that was produced was Kodak uh, High Speed Infrared. Okay, um, that you'd be lucky to find film that that expires after when was it 2006 2007? What is the commercial reason to go out and to make a true infrared film when you have near infrared products from Rolay, Fomapan, uh, from Japan Camera Hunter? What is the point? Where is the market? There is none. Delta 3200 in sheet form actually would be would be pretty damn cool, I think. Yeah. Um, I think people would like to see Pan F in, in sheet yes, form that's first. That's what I was hoping um, for. Right. But again, the Ilford have already stated that, I mean, just the process of changing the substrate, going from polyester to triacetate or triacetate to polyester, just that process requires a significant investment in, in resource, in engineering, in science, mm -hmm. um, in testing. I mean, look at how long it's taken. Um, Kodak to just get uh, Xchrome E100 in uh, in in 120 and 4x5. Hmm. Or, so to expect or even that Delta is... 3200 and 120. <coughs> well, uh, or T-Max. Yeah. T-Max, uh, the P3200. Uh, yeah. P3200, right, right. Yeah. And that is an organization which, you know, it, it has, it's much larger than Ilford. Kodak is much larger than Ilford. Um, so for a small company like Ilford to say, well, we've got this film here, which wasn't really used by a lot of people for taking photos, but 
hey, we we want to invest in bringing this to 35 mil and 120. I mean, that is, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. The, the, the RC paper, the new RC paper. So that's their first new paper product or first investment in paper product, uh, a new paper product for 25 years. Mm. Um, so the way I see it is we... We've gone from being, you know, Lake Victoria to to something that that resembles more like a, a puddle in a in a public park somewhere. That that is the film community in terms of its size. <clears throat> it is impossible for organisations either uh, coming with private capital or with 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 venture capital to invest in highly risky strategies that will not pay off given the size of the market. Over the last three years. Kodak, Ilford, FOMA, Lomography, even Fuji, they've all had the same problem, supply. They cannot meet the demand that is out there because they have shrunk their manufacturing operations down to a, a, a level to support what was essentially a dying industry. That's now growing. So all of the investment that we're seeing now with this new black and white film, this small variation there, this small update there, all that is is a symptom of these organizations, you know, just imagine them. They're just like turtles, right? They're finally sticking their head out of their shell, testing the water and saying, okay, can, can we can we move beyond what we're doing at the moment? Um, and that is, it's an incredibly important place to be. It's an incredibly important place to be. So any any in, in, entitled social media troll who's whining that they didn't get their color film, they didn't get their true infrared, they didn't get, they, they, they didn't get a, 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 a fucking gold-plated camera that self-develops film, scans it, uploads it, gets you gets you um, accepted into a show and signs a three-book deal with Magnum. You know, anyone, oh, I didn't get my gold fucking camera, you know, who's <laughs> complaining about it. They, they, they completely honestly, they're, they're selfish and ignorant. Um, and, and that entitlement is something that, that's, that's really it's really gotten on my nerves today. You know, I, I, I like, like, like with, with Kodak when they released E100 and he's so many people on the internet going, I'm not going to shoot it unless it's in 120 and four by five. Well, that's fine. Go fuck yourself. Don't shoot it then. But think about it. It's you're, you're, you're in, you're in a dying, you're in a shrinking uh, industry shrinking community um so you know whinging about it does nothing absolutely nothing all, all whinging about it does is it makes you look like an, a navel gazing baby boomer um yeah i mean you know a, a lot of people are saying oh you know there's uh, you know why are ilford releasing a a, a a crappy plastic camera I've seen shots from that that people other than Ilford have taken. Actually, it's a pretty damn good camera, number one. Number two, um, the, the hardware industry for film photography has been completely reset. Infrastructure just razzed to the ground. The only, the only companies out there producing um, technically complex 35mm and 120 cameras um, are, are, are only producing based on the uh, prior relationship. So you can go to these companies and say, uh, I'd like 10,000 units of this. I've got the money. Everything's done. They will not make them for you. You can go to Copal and say, I want to buy 2,000 shutters. Do you know what Copal will say? And these are the same guys who provide Nikon and others with their shutters. Well, why don't you go and make your own shutter first? And then once you once you hit um, 
kind of critical mass, come back and talk to us. So even if you go to these people with money in your hand, they are not making stuff for you. That's why you have people, you, you know, you, you you have people like Ghibellini, you have people like Ilford, uh, sorry, uh, not Ilford, you have a, a Harmon with the Titan, you have Intrepid, um, Lomo with the with the simple use, and now Ilford with this, well, the, the new Harmon camera, Lomography. That, that's why all of the new hardware it looks so basic because we've just hit that reset button. We've gone back like 80, 100 years in terms of camera production. Mm. You're not going to see a new complex medium format camera coming out for a while because who who today has the money to invest in building, you know, spending potentially $100 million in building infrastructure for manufacturing, um, paying for IP because um, Kyocera, Yashica, Contax, Pentax, um, you know, all of these guys, they've they've held on to that IP. So if you if you replicate a a function in your camera or a way of advancing film that is covered by someone else's patent, they they need to license that to you. So you need money to go and you know <laughs> go and actually make that camera. So who's going to go and spend tens of millions, a hundred million dollars uh, just to make a product that's probably going to sell two or three thousand units? You know, on, on the on, on the other on the other hand, and I do understand this is turning into a ranty monologue. You've got people like you know, you've got good guys like the guys over at Mint who actually did invest time and not an insignificant amount of money making the RF. Um, the Insta was it the Instacom? The Instacom yeah, yeah, right, right. What are people saying? Oh, it's too expensive. Oh yeah, well, of course it's too fucking expensive. Yeah, but it, it's still cheaper than the same camera would have cost you twenty years ago. You know, p- people. You know, there, there are so many people on, on social media saying, well, we don't need new cameras. We can use the old ones. No, you fucking can't. You can up to a point, but but that just because you happen to have a, a, a Leica or a, a Pentax or a Nikon F2 that was recently serviced by, by Sova Wong, 20, 30 years time where that needs another proper CLA. Do you think Sova's still going to be around to do the CLA for that? Or is Dag going to be around? Or is um, is uh, uh, Xin Ye, is he going to be around? Yeah, no, right. we need new cameras, but we need to accept that the new cameras we're going to get um, are not going to be as technically advanced as even the the rangefinders and SLRs of the 1950s and 1960s. Lomo's new new camera with the the liquid filled Sutton lens, for example, um, you know, it, it's just that that kind of that kind of disconnect really. I don't know. I don't know whether it's uh, uh, I'm just it, talking to the wrong people or I'm just looking at the wrong things. Um, but there's this cognitive dissonance um, between between what people want and the reality that they're getting. It's like going into McDonald's and asking for asking to have high fucking tea. You know, it's just it's, it's just not going to happen. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, um... So, um, what do you think about that company Reflex? Remember, they're attempting to bring out a 35 millimeter camera. And, I mean, it, and the the bulleted list sounds amazing. The interchangeable back, the the plate for the front lens. What's going on there? I I honestly don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. So, I I had a chat with the with the the guys over at Reflex. I guess it's going back two years now. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they've, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've had understandable setbacks. Um, 
they, they have to make their own shutter now. Um, these guys are out there and it looks like they're still, not only are they still building it, but they're, they're addressing challenges off the bat with things like the lens mount, with things like the shutter, with value-added stuff that's going to build a better ecosystem for their product in the form of, of the new lenses, which they announced. When was that? That was last year at Photokina, right? They, they announced, um, I think, uh, 40, 40 millimeter prime lens and yeah. maybe a couple of yeah. others. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, I think it's, it's great. Uh, I wish they communicated more. Um, but I, I understand that they are that, you know, they are doing what, what, what they can. And I think um, people like Reflex, who took an incredibly ambitious step to try and do this, the, yep. these guys are going to be, are gonna be the, f- the future. And they may not succeed. I, I hope they do. I hope it's Me another yeah. intrepid-style success story. Um, but, but they might not. But, you know, what? it doesn't matter if they, if they don't succeed 100%. You know, no one ever hit market first time with a product that just worked. Every single thing has has bugs um, and issues, and you know it's it's off spec from what was originally stated. Fortunately, most of those companies are able to control user expectation by not not announcing the product until it's ready for commercial release. With Kickstarter, you have the entire uh, product evolution and product development cycle underneath the lens of the people who have invested in it, um, and that that can bring with it some some really intense pressure. To be honest, yeah, they came out October 2017, and, <clears throat> and man, I'm telling you, the the feature list. I would pay 600 to 800 dollars for that camera right now, just for everything that they offer. Um, yeah, I, I I think the initial goal of getting it to the same. Uh, the, the the dollar the dollar value price of the Pentax K1000 or, or or whatever Pentax model it was you know I think trying to match that that kind of dollar price was was admirable um, I wish that they'd incorporated inflation into that so instead of saying well the Pentax yeah. came out at 300 bucks so we're going to sell the camera for 300 bucks I wish they'd said well we're going to sell it for 600 because it certainly would have given them um, a lot more flexibility, and to be completely frank with you, even if they'd sold that for eight hundred dollars, I think they would have had um, more than enough people to uh, to hit one hundred percent of their goal. Absolutely, I mean, just think about the modularity, the interchangeable back, the, the plate that you can use Canon lens, Nikon lens, the Bluetooth connectivity to the app, the LED flash. I mean, it, it's the dream list spot metering. I, I want that camera, you know, like I will pay. <laughs> yeah. Eight hundred dollars for it. it's a four thousandth of a second shutter speed. Uh, it's perfect, but yeah, the, the last update they gave was in August, and yeah, you're right. They're trying to get the shutter knocked out, but that seems to be a major obstacle to overcome. It, it, now, yeah. is that is, is that because they want to they want to do such a high shutter speed, or or I guess it would be an advanced shutter speed? Um, well, I think they went to something more like a 500th or a thousand. I mean, is that more doable? But I, obviously, that's not what people would pay for, I guess, or would want. Well, right? think about it from this point of view. Look at look at every single. So we're talking non non Leica, non mainline, um, you know, non kind of like legacy camera company. Look at mm-hmm. every single camera that's come out um, over the past five years. What what shutters are they using? How complex are those shutters? Right, right. 
the so if if these if if people like lamography uh, are unable with, with the volume that they do if they are unable to procure uh, a, sh- a, sh- a shutter from and it's that name again copal if they're unable to secure a shutter from a company to put into their camera um they they have to they have to build it from scratch mm-hmm. and yep. build, building a shutter from scratch is not is not an easy thing to do um so yeah i, I think going to it doesn't matter whether it's um, uh, one, you know, at, at one four thousandth, one thousandth, one five hundredth. It doesn't matter what what the top speed of that shutter is. The challenge uh-huh. right now is mostly is mostly people building shutters which have more than two more than two speeds, where one of those speeds isn't bulb. Right. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the problem that we have. Um, yeah, none of these. Uh, well, I think none, very few of the the new to market cameras that have been put out there mm. um, have more than a couple of shutter speeds, and that that should tell us something about the state of the, the state of the industry. And it should also tell us something as to why reflex are, are potentially having to take so long, and why they went down the road of building their own shutter in the first place. Yeah, and you're right; they underpriced themselves for sure. Yeah, I mean, but but think about it. If 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 they succeed in building their own shutter, um, suddenly you've got a product just there, which is more valuable than the product that they sold on Kickstarter. Yep. Suddenly they, they can sell this camera and then they can go and, and sell a whole bunch of these shutters to other people who are making, you know, just self-contained modules to other people who are making cameras. And that, that my friends, that is where the boom is going to come. We just we just need easily accessible complex components. Yeah. Yep. They're swinging for the fences with that four thousand, but I mean, it's it's amazing. We and we need the and look and the film community is so enthusiastic about about paying whatever for something that truly is new. Look at that um, film scanner holder that they charge you know a, a, a good amount of money for. Um, whether you believe it's too much or too little, that's that's not even the point. The point is that. Mm. They put the price that they thought was fair, and they they sold out their Kickstarter in less than a day. So, yeah. I mean, film shooters have their uh, a grip of money in their hand, and they're waving it in the air and saying, "Please give me something." If Reflex would have charged eight hundred, some people would have been like, "That's ridiculous. I'm not paying it." But enough people would have filled that order that would have funded them properly, so they could have got the R and D and the machining out of the way. I think, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're we're now at a point where the secondhand market prices um, right. are getting so high. That sure. it's it's easy for manu it's easier sorry for manufacturers to say hey we can we can charge more money than we were before we don't have to worry about these trolls saying oh yeah I'm just going to stick with my 70 year old X Y Z you know that that's good enough Th- those people soon enough won't won't have a voice in the community. Yep. I was just going to say the film community is growing much faster than we think. So I'm working behind the scenes with this other company that's got a film stock coming out. I've shot it and I'm about to shoot some other stuff with them. And like they were telling me about, you know, how much growth is happening. I mean, they've grown over 100 percent in 12 months, uh, mm. 200 percent over 24 months. So, I mean, we feel like something's happening, but the people who are in the industry, they're there definitely is a massive swell coming up and it's it's like self-sustaining now and we're only adding on like incremental percentages but it's on top of a layer that's already built um 
yeah, we're going to run out of used cameras. We're going to run out of parts. We're going to run out of people that can fix them. There's going to be this massive crater there, and that could be the one that pushes us back the other direction. So we need this new stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if Kostina Voigtlander could pull their finger out and start making cameras for other people, yep. how amazing how amazing would that be? We know yep. that the Rico, um, you know, Rico Pentax. We know um, Kyocera, we know Carl Zeiss, we know Nikon, we know Canon. They all own the patents um, to all of the the, the, the legacy processes, uh, manufacturing processes they used to build those cameras. They might not have usable infrastructure for those things today, um, but if if it was, I don't I don't know whether we'll see one of those companies coming forward with uh, with a new film camera but i would really love to see some kind of recognition from mm-hmm. those guys to say okay on a on a completely commercial level we will make these uh, licenses available for for free or for a very low cost to to essentially help this this you know what is essentially right now a modding you know it's a modern community um yeah. and if 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 through new hardware we can show these legacy guys, hey, there is value in, in producing this kit, um, then yeah, maybe we'll see a Nikon F7. Hey, I mean, the, the, the F6 is pretty much a digital shell anyway, right? Yeah, I was always hoping uh, that Pentax, because, you know, obviously they're like the smallest ones of, of the three, Canon, Nikon, and Pentax, I was always hoping that they would just be like, ah, screw it we're funky anyway here's here's a film camera people you know yeah the thing is i think you're you're painting you're painting a large japanese corporation um under like some kind of mom and pop or or startup operation um kind of uh, kind of cloud that they they might look like they're quirky and and strange and different and the same with minolta as well um but but these companies turn over billions of dollars a year um Everything is based on 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 investment uh, investment and risk versus potential profit, and you could go to Pentax today with ten million dollars in your product in your pocket, and and say I want to build a new camera. You'll get people who are um, kind of interested in in listening to that conversation. As soon as it gets to the board, you're not going to get anything. Simple as that. It's just it's just it's 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 pennies and it, well it's it's kind of uh, teardrops in the ocean right and same goes with fuji uh, instax is larger than fuji's digital um mm. uh photography arm uh film is a part of that that optical imaging the instax side of things um yeah. but it remains uh, a, a high risk and a a high investment um, area because you know you need a certain size for a manufacturing facility to to make the film, to dry the film, to store the film, um, and if if that is giving you literally less than one percent of your of your annual turnover, is that really something that you want to invest in, or do you want to take your twenty thousand patents and apply them on on making face creams and making uh, screens for monitors and making stuff in medical imaging, which is where you're really going to make the cash? Mm-hmm. I know it, it's it's a bit of a downer. Uh, I do I do appreciate that but i think we've just got to look at where we are from from the perspective of reality as opposed to this this rose tinted entitled view that well i shoot film therefore 
Therefore, I, sh I should be able to continue shooting film and demand whatever I want from the manufacturer. Well, odds are the people who are making these demands are not shooting enough film to shift the needle even at their local film shop, let alone the dealer, the distributor or the manufacturer level. Yeah. Have, have I bummed you out enough, guys? Yep. I'm over here drinking, just straight rubbing alcohol. I just got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Straight rubbing alcohol. Don't do that, man. You're, you, you're on medication. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be mixing. True. Trying to offset it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, on that bummer, I think that's a good note to start wrapping this sucker up. God, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, real quick, when is that ortho film coming out from Ilford? Is that November? Uh, it was a, it was available for order um, at dealers and distributors uh, when the announcement was made on the twenty fourth. I want to say twenty oh. fourth last last Thursday. Um, it looks like they're they're gunning for an early November uh, uh, drop onto shelves. So gotcha. Uh, it might be a little bit later than that. Um, certainly, anyone who is promised any. any online store who is promising you a deadline uh, for delivery right now is is probably kind of giving Holy that shit. a thumb lick. Well, I, I know I know uh, a few people who are, they're saying that they they want to take pre-orders, um, but they are not. So all they're doing is just creating kind of uh, waiting lists and stuff via email. They don't really want to sell the product until it's until it's out there. Gotcha. I mean, cheers to them for announcing it and then saying, you know what, you can order this now instead of it being like, well, here's this film, and then two years later, oh, yeah, here's this film for real, though. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah. Okay, uh, so... Wait, I got one go. more question. Okay. And, you know, so, you know, obviously, you know... Um, you know, we, we get, we're getting, you know, a film. We're obviously we're seeing film coming back slowly, or 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 stuff that you know, like the P thirty two hundred. It was out at one point, and they brought it back. This ortho, I don't know if it was ever something that they brought back or not. I haven't really read all about it, but never, never in smaller formats for the ortho. Okay. But you know, you know the it film is growing but at some point i mean because of this renaissance we're in or this 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 new this time period we're in about shooting film do you think at some point we're going to get to the point where you know it's 2000 or what what was it 2004 when digital started making its uh <clears throat> its move or whatever i mean from what you've seen do you see a time frame that you think at some point, we're going to reach that, that that bubble, and then and then you know then it's either going to level out or it's going to start going, you know. And then you know, seeing how Kodak is doing financially, you know, that's color film right there. Do you see, you know, from that, do you see color film kind of going away for you know if if film ever goes away, which hopefully not, but if it does, do you see color film going away first, or I mean? black and white i don't know what the process is to make that stuff so but from your your opinion i think i think certainly the the if you're going to talk about kind of endangered if we're going to use the endangered species analogy mm -hmm. exactly. um 
I think slide film you can you can say is definitely um, an endangered species, definitely endangered um, because it's so complex to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after that, color negative film is probably at risk at the moment to to use the to use the same methodology that uh, uh, whoever it is mark stuff as endangered does yeah um i think black and white film is to a point um easy enough to make yourself yeah if you really 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 want to do it um so i don't think black and white film or black and white photography is in danger but potentially some of the the more uh, complex uh, product like the higher speed films would 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 be the first to go um i'm not sure I'd love to say that nothing's going to change and it's, things are only going to grow over the next 5, no. 10, 50 years. <clears throat> I think the reality is um, unless the film shooters are supported by uh, new entrants making hardware, it's going to be very difficult to sustain the growth that we've had so far because of the availability of hardware, because of hoarders, Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the ab- the availability of people to to repair them, so I think hardware goes hand in hand with the people shooting film. And as long as there's hardware, and as long as there are people, then um, film film will still be produced. It may get to a point where <clears throat> environmental legislation makes it incredibly difficult to create uh, the 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 components necessary for slide film. Um, it's sad, but to be honest, I'd I'd rather. I'd rather have somewhere that my my kids and my grandkids can live, um, and then then shoot a roll of slide film. If I'm if I'm forced to make that change, mm. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm 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 okay with that on on that basis. Um, color film right now is 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 in a really precarious situation because you you've only really got um, four four places five let's say five places. Um, in the world that make color film. Um, and as soon as it becomes impractical or not economically viable for that to continue, um, then you will see a swift end to color film stocks. And we'll probably have, if it was killed today, let's say if every single color film manufacturing facility was killed today, we'd, we'd probably still see new color film stock coming out uh, 15 years from now, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but they would be coming out in the style of um, Lomography uh, F2 400 or Silbera Color 100, um, or or you know or 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 or. or. Um, so it certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be fresh film stock. It would certainly be enough to keep the film photography project uh, in business um, for probably the next 30 or 40 years, just selling film alone. Um, you know, Retrochrome. Uh, FPP Retrochrome was uh, discontinued in 2004. Uh, we're 15 years down the line; they're still selling them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, color film is is the dangerous bit um, at the moment because <clears throat> you, you're you're putting down uh, layers of of silver halide uh, suspended in gelatin alongside with dyes, alongside with couplers, alongside with masks. Um, it's not it's not like black and white film, which you could to completely oversimplify it, is just just use a paintbrush on a on a piece of plastic, or or you could pour something onto a piece of metal or a piece of glass. Um, were you hoping that I wasn't going to bum you out? Because because that's no no, of, no 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 okay. I, I mean it, no no I I I've kind of already thought that you know we'll 
probably color would be first to go just because of the difficulty, you know, or, you know, or, or what it seems to be difficult. And then I, I kind of did figure that black and white, I mean, it was here before color and they've been doing it forever. And so I figured, you know, that would, that would last, um, you know, and then you got the formats, obviously 120 and 35. And I think, um, four by five or large format would, I would assume still be able, still be viable. The only one that wouldn't be would probably be APS, but that's already dead. So that's yeah. for government. I mean, that's for government. It's, <laughs> if you if you if you press if you just press pause right now, and then just rewind the history of film um, all the way all the way all, all the way back 150 160 years ago with the first wet plates, th- that that will essentially tell you how things are going to happen. First, you lose diversity in uh, within um, uh, color, slide, color, neg, uh, chromogenic, uh, chromogenic black and white, and black and white. Once you lose diversity, you then lose entire lines. Once you lose entire lines, essentially you're just, you're just traveling straight back down that funnel into black and white film. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where if, if there was going to be a, a, a big crunch um, for film photography that that's where it would go that's how it would happen and 300 years from now you'd still have people building cameras coating their own black and white emulsions and still and shooting them on on meniscus lenses film photography is never going to go away the question is is um how long will there be an industry around to support film as we know it today yeah and that, that, that that's where the whole you know shoot expired film fine but use your money to support um, existing products. Use your money to support fresh products. And that might be something as simple as a roll of film from Ilford or Kodak or, or FOMA. It might be buying a, 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 a camera from Lomography, going to one of their stores and getting your, your film developed at, at a Lomography store, for example. Mm-hmm. Anything that you can do to support the people. You know, if, if you like Adox, you like Adox film, you like Adox papers, um, you can buy adults film or adults papers, but hey, another great way of supporting them is just go and buy your stuff on Photo Impacts. Um, you know, because the, the, all, all of these companies, all of these manufacturers, distributors, suppliers, they are all connected in, in some way, shape or form. Um, and anything that we can do just to um, spend our, our cash so that it directly supports someone who's producing film is going to stave off that that kind of that that big crunch. Yeah. Wow. I think I'm going to go spend some money tonight. Thanks, Sam. Of course you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. not, of course you are. On eBay. Not on eBay. I'm going <laughs> to use the gorse and um, I'll be good. You go. Nice. Yeah, the gorse. That's uh, Ed's gas force. That's my gas force. <laughs> it leads me to the to the right purchases. He, he yes. is a, he's a Jedi of the gorse. Yes, I call myself the guy. Uh, I'm I'm sure I have some some condescending comment. Um, I'm sure you do. At, at some point, <laughs> I'll I'll send you a DM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool so guys. Before we before we wrap up, I would be remiss. So I was talking to my wife about this interview before I got on the call, and she had a question for you. Uh, being not a follower of film photography, but she said that I was to terminate the call if you didn't answer this correctly and she does listen to the podcast. So I feel like I'm obligated to ask this. Um, 
But what is your favorite Princess Bride character, Am? My favorite Princess Bride character? Yeah. Just so we can not um, end on a no, no, no. Do you know, I, I actually just, I just watched Princess Bride uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> Everyone is probably going to say Montoya, right? Just because of his direct, the direct nature of his his character. His quotability. Hang on. Yeah, um, I actually think, and I, I, I really kick myself for not knowing the character's name, but it's it's obviously going to be the inconceivable dude, um, mostly because. I re- I just love just him as an actor, and I've recently been rewatching Deep Space Nine, and he plays the the Grand Nagus in Deep Space Nine, and he's just a really fucking funny guy. So yes, I think it's inconceivable that anyone would choose anyone apart from him. Okay, okay, I, I can I can see that. That's a good one. Okay, and you she's like gonna... Montoya's uh, mustache. Yeah, of course. Say, say again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's Vizzini, by the way. Vizzini. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a big uh, Miracle Max fan myself. Um, <laughs> so well, the, the thing that really surprised me about, about The Princess Bride, actually, is um, uh, Robin Wright. So until a couple of years ago, I hadn't connected Robin Wright um, in The Princess Bride, in Forrest Gump, and mm-hmm. in House of Cards. It just, it just oh, did not man. make sense to me that Jenny. this was the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got a guy at work we called Jen, eh? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, 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 oh, God. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to I, say to that. Yeah, I, mean... I don't think there is much you can. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I forgot to mention something earlier in my week um, that I want to kind of talk about a little bit. It's not a big deal, um, but... Today I actually found a new lab in my area, and they're a smaller lab, but they are a wet lab, um, a Ooh. smaller wet lab in the area, which I think um, is pretty cool. I just had a friend tell me about them um, that knows I'm into photography, so I drove by on my way home from work today just to kind of stop in to see if they had any chemicals or anything for sale. Um, but they are another wet lab, which is always fantastic to find. Um, and you don't have to drive into the city to get to them. They're on, you know, the western side of uh, the state, closer to me, which is fantastic. Uh, and I just want to give them a little shout out because uh, I had a nice little conversation with one of the employees, and she was super nice. And everybody was in the in there was friendly. And that is the photo spot. That's the name of the place. Mm. Um, nice. So yeah, I just want to kind of give them a shout out if anybody is listening in this area. Go check them out. Um, they're super rad people. So there's that. Also, um, let's get into our Instagram shoutouts. I don't know if I mentioned this to you at any point in our emails, um, but we have the segment that we do at the end of the show where we like to highlight an Instagram <coughs> account that we just think is rad. So um, we'll go first, and we'll let you have a little bit of time to find your person uh, or your account that you would like to highlight. So, um, Ed, why don't you go oh, this ahead is gonna be and fun. get started? Okay. Well, um, I'm going to uh, highlight, um, let me see, uh, Lomography uh, today. Uh, their main account, um, just because they've uh, they've been a, a good supporter of my stuff and what I've done 
uh, with my uh, photography and so forth and my relationship with them. So, um, and they're just, they, uh, they just support their community and all film shooters. And I mean, they're just one of the companies that, uh, that I see actually make, make that effort to connect with their, with their, um, with the folks who are shooting film customers and so forth. So, um, yeah. Plus I dig all their stuff. Right on. Mac, what about you? All right. So gentleman's name is Steven Lyons. He's a actor and photographer. Really cool feed. Steven Lyons. L Y O N S N S S T E B E N. Oh man, I already I already follow him. Yeah, Steven underscore Lion is his name. Steven yeah. Lion Media. Yeah. Really cool dude. Yeah, very cool. Alright then, I guess I will go next. So after my highlight um, on Devin and the Devin and Joe episode of the Nikonos mm-hmm. project, uh, once that went live, um, Nikonos project started giving me some shit for not shooting a Nikonos and having the excuse that I'm not near water. Um, that wasn't acceptable. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys follow them on Instagram, but this last week, uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's Brandon that runs their Instagram. Um, I know his name is all over the Nikonos website. If it's not Brandon, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, whoever is running their Instagram account, uh, just put out a, a call to arms for people to just send in non-salty water Nikonos photos and I've just been chatting with him uh we we had a, a nice uh, Instagram story war for a little while a couple days ago and it was just a lot of fun chatting with him and getting to know another member in the community and just interacting but one of the pages that shared these photos is going to be my highlight uh, just in appreciation for the Nikonos project being so rad and mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, a photographer named Cade, and his <coughs> Instagram is lefts for days That's L-E-F-T-S-F-O-R-D-A-Y-S. Uh, he's got a really rad page. It's a lot of Nikonos stuff, obviously. Uh, and he recently posted some out-of-water Nikonos photos. So I'm really excited um, to get to know these guys, and they're actually going to send me a camera to try out. Um, nice. because you know, it's not acceptable to not try the camera. So they're going to, it seems like they're trying to, uh, bully me into being one of them and I'm okay with it. So that's that. I really, I could be bullied too. That interaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to more, um, more fun times with these enough. guys. So with that said, cool. M, have you had enough time to pick somebody? Yeah, can I can I do two and a half? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm not sure how um, to post the half yeah. on IG, but sure, why not? Well, you but all will be revealed. Um, oh, I think nice. definitely probably the 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 best the best feed on um, Instagram just for looking at kind of what's what's happening out there. There's a guy. It's emulsive film, all one word. Fantastic. Um, so I'd highly recommend going there. Oh, um, I'm going to give you a chance to promote yourself later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, know, I, I know, but, oh, I know, but you, you were remiss and I would be remiss. Um, the half, 
the half is um it's actually a hashtag if you want to follow a hashtag um on instagram and it's uh 120 not 120 mm there are 500 posts on there right now we want to get it to a million um so yeah yeah in 15 years um but no there's a lot of there's a lot of really um really cool photography on there which i didn't i didn't expect actually i thought it'd just be uh people like me trolling but my my serious my serious one um is uh, an instagram feed uh by a chap based in new york called jammy york it's j-a-m-m-i underscore york he's a, a professional photographer he does a lot of um natural light uh, portraits he he also does uh, a bunch of shoots um for uh something called the build series in new york um and that that includes your your celebrities right so mm-hmm. he'll be shooting people like uh, uh chris hemsworth and, and tessa thompson and willem willem defoe people like that the really cool thing about jammy is that he takes a lot of these portraits on film so you can go and check out kind of Tim Robbins, uh, Ian McKellen, sorry, Sir Ian McKellen. I think his most recent ones were, uh, were um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bandersnatch, Cumber Snatch, Bandersnatch, Cucumber yeah, Patch. Batch, yeah. Cucumber. Or whatever his name is. Cucumber Aren't you supposed to be able to pronounce English names? Yeah, I know, but you no know, one, no one, you, you never say, you never say Benedict Cumberbatch at the very beginning, right? You always have to make a, a, a funny version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's he, he's done stuff um, uh, recently with uh, oh god, what's uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Aaron Paul as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you look on his feed, you'll see a mixture of a lot of the 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 uh, professional stuff that he's done on digital, as well as a whole bunch of. Um, uh, famous people's uh, natural light photography and stuff that he's done out on the field. I, I, if I remember rightly, a bit earlier this year, he spent three three weeks in in Ukraine, um, just kind of hanging out with uh, <clears throat> local members of the community, the armed forces, and he's got some really really interesting stuff come out of that. He wasn't investigating the Bidens, was he? Sorry, I, uh, I, I, I <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he was asking for something before he started doing that. <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, We're watching too much news lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jamie York is amazing. I, I've been following him <laughs> yes. for quite a while. And it, it's amazing, too, because not only does he shoot stuff on film, like, he's not one of those professionals who's like, I only shoot this one film and this one camera specifically like he has quite a mixture of different film stocks he uses uh different cameras that he's using uh so it's awesome to see the consistency that he's able to create through his work while shooting all of those different things yeah i mean he's he's one of those people you just you, you can take take a random selection of a dozen portraits and the only thing that you know the first thing that you'll think is this guy really knows his shit yeah yeah 100 percent. right on that's a really rad rad choice um so before we get to promoting ourselves and where you could find us i have a couple Mm -hmm. couple um things i want to chat about real quick not chat about but just um fuck it so analog forever next week october 9th their pre-order release or their pre-order is up and their First issue releases. They were guests a little while back. You guys heard them. You guys loved them. 
go support them. If you haven't had a chance yet, go pre-order their um, their first issue. And while you're at it, browse around the website a little bit and check out some of the awesome content they have. Also, we talked during the Devin and Joe episode about um, donating some film to the school that they work at. Um, yep. You know, Mac and I briefly talked about donating cameras to a couple people who send some rad film stashes in. So we haven't really talked about stipulations or anything about that. So I guess right now we're going to go ahead and do it. Guys, if you send them a pretty rad stash of film, and I'm not talking like a pro pack, they have children that they're trying to educate on film photography. If you send them a stash of film worth it, I know Mac has a Nikon in, what is it, in 2000S that you're sending off? No, uh, 90s. In 90s. Yep. Okay, so yep. yeah, you've got it in 90s. Um, I have a few cameras that uh, I haven't chosen yet, but it's going to be worth it. You'll get a camera and a lens, SLR. Um, so send them a solid stash of film, and you have the chance to win a camera from the one of us. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we're just going to do the first two that we get some, any sort of acknowledgement from Joe and Devin that they got this really rad stash in the mail. Make sure you let them know you heard about it on Grainy Days. That's how you will get entered in, and Joe and Devin will be looking out for it. So send them some film, guys. Like, you know, if you want to keep film alive, these kids that they're teaching are going to be the way that film stays alive. So yep, for sure. That's the best way. Yeah. To, and and, and uh, connect, <laughs> connect with them through IG, I think, is one of the methods they, they said to. Yeah, um, they said that's yeah. the easiest way to get to them. And they did say they have bulk rollers. So if you just want to order a bulk roll of film and send it to them, that's good enough because that's, you know, 18 to 20 rolls of film they can get for the students. Um, yep. So every every little bit helps. That's all I got. So um, with that said, Mac, where can everybody find you online? Yep. So pretty easy. Mac Shoots Film. You can find me on YouTube as well as Instagram. Done. Ed, what about you, bud? Uh, you can find me on IG at uh, Edward Conde underscore. Uh, and also on Twitter, Edward Conde underscore. Twitter, new one. You just drop a random new one every now and then. Well, it's not a new one. I've been there for a while. Yeah, but I mean, that's you how don't, I that's you, how I met him. Huh? You you don't um, talk about your Twitter often, is what I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I go in between. Right now, I'm a, I'm all focused on IG, but sooner or later, it's gonna piss me off, and then I'm just gonna go over to Twitter, <laughs> start chatting with <laughs> can, people. Can, can we get a can we get a new Don Conde alt account for Twitter where you yes. just uh, you yes. just, you yeah. just post pictures of uh, digital images uh, <laughs> film. yeah you know it, what's funny is my original uh handle or whatever on um on twitter was el conde but then uh <laughs> then i changed it to edward conde but you're right i should just you know i've i've gone you know i'm a little older now i got some gray hair i'm a, I'm a don conde now yeah there we go <laughs> you're like do it <laughs> do it <laughs> just do it. get it over with yeah quit talking about it i know seriously <laughs> All right, Em, I know you've already um, snuck it in there, but how can people find you on Instagram and all of your other sources where they could get in touch with you? Um, and if you want to, how can people submit or, or help with content on Emulsive? Oh, that's very kind of you. I would never have thought of plugging myself. <laughs> um, so I'm, uh, Sorry. Pretty, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. 
uh, everywhere you can think of as um, slash Emulsive Film or at Emulsive Film. So that's um, uh, Facebook, Twitter, IG, Pinterest, uh, Tumblr, I think, Reddit for sure. Uh, I think I think I'm on Flipboard as well. Anyway, just everywhere. Just just type in Emulsive Film and <laughs> and, you, yeah. and it, it, something will happen. Um, as far as uh, submitting stuff, yeah, you know, I'm I'm always up for uh, really anything that covers um, photography as a passion. If you want to talk about a process or a technique, if you want to talk about a set of photos, film review, camera review, really anything that's experience led. And the easiest way to do that is just drop me a line via the contact form on the website. Um, I'll get you set up with a user account on the site um and you can go ahead and just uh you know we'll, we'll just enter a, a collaborative editorial process to get that out um i will say um the contributors to emulsive right now one thing that you you obviously get is a user account to go ahead and just uh, enter and edit the content their content and check out the comments and what have you one of the other things with that is that the um site then also becomes ad free so if you are a contributor to emulsive you don't have to use an ad blocker you just won't get shown any ads don't know whether that's a draw to anyone it hasn't really been in the past but hey it's 2019 and uh, i've got to do something to differentiate right <laughs> there you go that's right mm-hmm all right, guys, so you can find me on Instagram at For the Love of Grain. Uh, you can get in touch with the podcast, <laughs> either Ed or myself, uh, through the Instagram at grainy underscore days underscore podcast. You can send us an email at grainydays at gmail.com. And speaking of Reddit, we do have a Reddit account. It's just going to be grainy days oh. pod. So if you want to get in touch with us through Reddit, which. Uh, I find unlikely, but if it happens, it happens. Um, that's where you can do that at. So uh, I think that's today's, tonight's show, whatever. This has been a two-day-long podcast for me. Started one day, ending in another. Um, <laughs> but it's that's like all three, right. three hours, ten minutes, right? We've been yeah. recording for over three hours right yeah, now. Yeah, we've been recording for over mm-hmm. three hours at this point. Um, the podcast probably won't make it that long. It looks like it, probably um, 245 ish so you know you you've done it again and broken another long distance record for another podcast i don't think we've had one quite this long yet um but it's been an absolute blast having you on i really appreciate you coming yeah. joining us tonight and dropping some info dropping some 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 tasty swears that we don't you know get to hear on the regular um Tasty swears. Some tasty swears. I, I couldn't really think of a good adjective there, and that's just what came out. So I apologize for that, but regardless, <laughs> it stands. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And guys, listen after the show. We're going to do a nice little treat for you that we don't normally do. I'm not going to talk about it, but after the exit music, there will be some fun stuff. So stick around. Um, again, Ed, thank, er, Ed, Ed, thanks for coming on. Mac, thanks for coming on. Oh, of course. M, thanks for coming on. It's been a good time. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks, later, guys. dude. See you. Cheers, guys. Bye. See you later. later. Bye. I'm using Thanos memes to uh, 
make a point on Secret Santa. And you know what happened? How this all happened? The the daughter. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let, let me guess. It's your sciatic nerve, right? It's rerouted through your ass. So right. you were you were twerking, right? Again. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's what it how is. Did you know, you're. This guy's like spying on me. He knows exactly what's God happening. God damn it, Mac. We talked about that twerking. You got yes. bro- both the bros, so now you need twer- twerking togs. Ed, are you uh, in the that, car? It, it, so. Yeah, no, that's me. I'm I'm <laughs> pumping gas. I thought you were home. <laughs> no, I was, and then I told the wife, I said, I'm going to go take this, uh, go record in the car. <laughs> my, there's no way I can record in the house. It's just too damn noisy. You know you why? <laughs> I, need, I need gas anyway. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he can't record in the house because he's going to talk about all the shit he bought, and he doesn't want his family to hear. <laughs> right. So he, he's he's blowing it off like he just wants to respect the house, but really he's going to talk about all the shit he bought in the past no, week. No, and, no, uh, It's all about yeah. consistency with Ed. See, it wouldn't yeah. be the same podcast if we weren't here. If we weren't hearing like the cars honking and road noise oh. and stuff. 